Hi, I'm Bob McLeod. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Enthusiastic. I'm excited. You should be. warmed up. Yeah, you I'm, should I'm, be. I'm, I'm He's prime. You prime like a pump, like a sump. It's, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it's kind of, it, it was almost sudden, but it wasn't really sudden because I just, I threw it out there and responded and just ran with it. So, and I was looking forward to it because he's been writing some really fun, exciting stuff. So, nice to talk. Yeah, didn't want to say it in front of him. Like, I, I didn't want to seem like I was, you know, brown nosing, but definitely the best fantasy story i've read in in ages yeah by far yeah yeah and and good call with the world without end because i i have it i it, it's behind me on the spinner rack i grabbed it when you mentioned it and and i was flipping through it and yeah i mean complete with the covers all cardstock and glossy um you it's tell a little me bit more neony but yeah, it still looks sure. great but in spirit the spirit of last god is is in those pages yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. and uh, when you decide to read that, let me know because I have mine uh, custom bound, and I'll just okay. gra- I'll grab my volume and we'll we'll hug like brothers. I will definitely. I will read it. Okay, so then I will read it soon. We'll. Um, I know the next few weeks, a couple months are going to be packed with. I mean, we've, we've got book of the month now. We'll have another book of the month next month, but we've got. We've got the cap on the bus coming. We've got the defenders on the bus coming. We've this got this is true. Yeah, a few things we have primed, and and I, I'm going to, I, I'll this will segue right into the sponsor spot. But I, I I submitted my DCBS order, and there were things that I wanted, that I decided I'm going to not get right now. A because like we always say, I have plenty of things to read, and I want to kind of focus on. The things that are either new to me or just that I haven't read yet. And and I decided to not get Superman's greatest team ups because hey, I've read I've read those DC Comics Presents stories before. Yeah. I figure I can get the book later on if I really need it, but I want to devote shelf space right now to things that I haven't read, which is one of the pieces of bread you're going to tell the folks about from dcbs interesting interesting um i gotta agree with you on the superman's greatest team-ups if you are going to publish a compilation of the best of dc comics presents and you don't include the first two freaking issues that's true it's you gotta change the title to, to yeah it just it stands come on runners up jose it, it, luis garcia you lopez you couldn't, put, you, you couldn't give it you couldn't round up to 20 right 20 issues in that yeah no and and another oh, thing you're superman meeting santa claus no fuck that exactly and another thing why are they not consecutive why can't you just give us the first 20 issues just yeah, re, when, just when, reprint when dc comics presents whole cloth like why and not listen and and you know i'm not going to say boo about that cover you're going to put gill on a cover i'm i'm oh no, it's a nice it. cover but but of all of superman's greatest team-ups it's robin an elongated man yeah you were so, I, I love you but you were very jewish when you said that it's robin and an elongated oh, man gosh. what is this <laughs> but anyway 
Uh, no, I get you. I feel you in, deep in my heart. I was a little bit, I saw it, the solicit. I'm like, yes, click on to buy. And then I read the, the copy and I'm like, I don't think so. It's like, was was it even, is it even 25 bucks at this discount? No, I mean, it's, it's maybe 20. It's like 17 or something. Right. Yeah. So it's, it really, I, I could have. But no, but no. I will tell you why I didn't. But, but, but what, what, what are we doing here? What, 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 what is this? Hi, people. This is an impromptu Tuesday edition of 11 o'clock comics episode 718 i'm no. 720 <laughs> you know what you know You're wait you know what going backwards in time no you know what the problem is i because we haven't done the dcbs sponsorship in in two episodes uh-huh. i brought up episode uh, notes for 718 uh-huh. but we, we're 720 my people and i'm vince b you are Vince B. It is seven twenty for real, no joke. I am David A. Price. Uh, I guess that's valid. I don't know. I'm gonna have to audit that. But of course, I am everyone's favorite demon tyrant, Mol Ultep. Translation: <laughs> Mister Late to the Party. But yeah. that's all right. You are not Mol Ultep. You're Jason Wood. You're far too good looking to be Mol Ultep. Oh, for the, for the record, I believe I read issue number one the day it came out. So yeah, but then party, you but... discarded it, and everybody was like, "Whoa, best thing since sliced bread." And then you know, I guess I'll, I'll read it. Oscars. Yeah, but that's all right. Hey, the, the point of of having a collaborative group of friends who share a creative medium we love is to be, you know, pulled in prodded into discovering things that you may have otherwise missed true and that's why we love our slackers and uh if you want to get your hands on anything that our uh interview subject is writing well where do you go where the prices are super low and that's discount comic book service dcbservice.com they have lots of specials and all of them are massively discounted i've selected three for your perusal write these down because i'm guessing let's see this is going to be the very last time you're going to hear this from aftershock speaking of great fantasy books let's hope this one is too it's uh by tim seeley and freddie williams the second it's called bequest it has the old cardstock covers it's very much in the at least visually or or uh, package design wise it's very much in the last god wheelhouse this is a 4.99 book you can bring it home for $2.49 that's half off the turgid meat in the middle is by James Heron it's called ultra mega and it's coming out from image it is a massive book because it's about kaiju if you're going to do a book about kaiju you better have it big and oversized right as are kaiju most often, more often than not. Uh, but like I said, James Heron, Dave Stewart, seven ninety nine printed on the cover. You're, you're laughing like me because you know we are laughing. Guffaw because you're going to bring this thing home for three dollars and ninety nine cents. That's fifty percent off. And last, but certainly not least, in our hearts, from Seven Seas, it is the Super Sentai Himitsu Sentai Goranger Classic hardcover collection by Shotaro Ishinomori. This is the berries, my friends. This is the stuff that led to Power Rangers. And if you don't and, like... Hmm? No, go ahead. No, what? And, and, and that was added to my order. Oh, you did get this. Awesome. Yep. 
Yeah, this is going to be so good. It's uh, it's going to be lighthearted and wonderful. Uh, it's uh, twenty four ninety nine. Not bad, but you're not going to pay that because you are super smart and you know where to go where the prices are low and it's seventeen dollars and forty nine cents. That's thirty percent off, which doesn't really fit in with my whole fifty percent off trend for these things. But uh, when I saw this was offered, I said, yeah. I got to pimp this because this is too good to just let them maybe stumble upon it. No, you got to get this. Uh, DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions. Indicate your books shipped nice and safely and securely right to your very door. I will say no more. Nice. DCBService.com. I felt when I was going through my order Saturday, I was going through the the previews and, and, um, and yeah, there's definitely something up with the Polish feature because I realized when I placed my order and I ordered Sweet Tooth to Return number five, yeah. I usually have another tab open with past orders and I didn't order number four, which pissed me off. So I, I, I sent them an email. I'm waiting to hear back. But I sent them an email not just for the Sweet Tooth add-on, but because a few months back, there was a um, the final volume of Full Bleed. And I picked up the first volume at Heroes. And For five cheap, bucks. And it's great. Right. So <laughs> I have that. And during one of InStock Trade's massive sales, I bought volumes two and three. So I have those waiting in the wings to be read. So I figured, well, now I'll get the fourth one. So I, I emailed them to ask if, if you know, if they can add the fourth sweet tooth to return to my order and the um and the full bleed or the, I'll just end up waiting for it to come to in stock. But I just if they can get it, great. So I figured I'll add those two things. I don't need um the the DC Comics Presents collection and I'll hold off on the Superman by Tomasi and Gleason for now. It'd be nice to have, but again, I read those stories. And I really, really, really need to make time and room for new things. So uh, that's that's where my mind went this month. You know, uh, I love IDW, and I I very much respect the whole initiative behind Full Bleed. Uh, I thought I've only read the first volume. I thought it was mm-hmm. great. Uh, Little Bird told me that maybe um, one of my all-time favorite people is in the second issue. Right, uh, so I, you know, I'm talking about Josh Bayer, and uh, I got to get it. But I'm thinking, how this can't be uh, a winning proposition for IDW. They got to be losing money on 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 Full Blade. The production values are through the roof. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think I think the twenty five dollar hardcover. That I mean, I I got one for five bucks. I got I got one for ten. And I got one for like twelve so far. Right. So and and you know so I'm guessing that the readership for this thing is not that high. So I think yeah, you're right. You know yeah. whatever. But I'm I mean, glad it exists. exists. Yeah, sure. and I mean, and and I think four volumes is nice, and they do. I mean, the the, the paper is nice and thick. But I mean, when you look at it, it really is things that I I love about. It's a different format with the hardcover, but it's it's what I loved about the old fanzines and, and anthologies. And I mean, you've got, there's, there's an Alan Moore interview in the first volume. There's a Walter Simonson interview in the second, um, Grant Morrison, part one 
in the third. It's, it's, of course, he'd be pretentious as fuck that he would go across two volumes. Of but, course. But whatever. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> if if there's only four volumes for it, then, you know, be be glad it exists and not, you know, right, be upset right. that it's gone. Right. No doubt. No doubt, my friend. Hey, what are we drinking? Oh, what are we drinking? Kick us off. Uh, the Gnarly Head is now gone. Oh, as yeah. of tonight? As of, uh, I got about a quarter left in my glass. And it's gone. I think we're all drinking wine tonight. Yeah, wine, 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 or, wine is fine. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still drinking the Josh, which I believe I was drinking last episode as well. The Cabernet. Okay. Uh, you know what? That's that. That's fine because I am still drinking that uh, Reuben and Flora, uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon and uh, Carmenere from uh, last week as well. I didn't didn't really drink a lot of wine this weekend. The little bit I did drink was um, was usually bourbon with some seltzer. So, <laughs> which is not wine. <laughs> no, it is definitely not wine. It's different. But but what I but but dinner really didn't. I, I didn't. What I was making for dinner really didn't necessarily pair well with with wine. So it, it felt like wine would have been wasted on it. There you go. Before we jump into our guest, we're a little lagged and remiss in, in doing some some new patron shoutouts. At least based on what I see of our Slack notes. It's possible a few of these were shouted out and I just we didn't put them in the notes and I don't remember. But it occurred to me tonight because we got another we got a new patron today. Yay. Yes. Uh, but I, I was like, oh, I think there's a few people we haven't given the love to officially. So I'm gonna I figure worst case we give them love a second time because you know what? Doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna Perfect. I'm gonna start and you dap you would be you could tell me if we've already shouted these people out, but I don't think we have, okay? Um so shout out to Neil Bevins. Uh, we may have, but I think he can't. I I, I think he, well, he deserves a two point oh two point yes yes yes. Okay. Uh, shout out to Robert Cronister. Hmm. Nice. Shout out to Evan Atherton. Okay. Boop, shout boop. out to shout out to Robert Nino. Excellent. Shout out to Jake Douglas Curtis. And shout out to our brand spanking newest patron, Mister Matt Colbert. Nice. <laughs> they are all. Uh, slack level patrons that have joined in the last few well t- t- month and a half now but yes. but uh, I don't think we've uh, yeah I don't think we we, we kind of let the Christmas holiday we forgot to give them their love and uh, I know I'd be salty you know if I, oh, I signed sure. up for a shout and out I, I didn't get a yeah, shout out so I, no we, doubt we, we love y'all and apologies if you've been waiting um, and by I, the way if you ever do uh, join the the, the pa- Patreon and you feel like you uh you know, you didn't hear your shout out. By all means, ping us. You can always ping us and be like, "Oh, my friend, my brothers, did I get the yes. shout out?" Because no, we're happy to, to do that, and and absolutely um, do that if um, if if you're in the inner circle or you changed tiers to uh, if if you join up and and you're in there and you get the inner circle, that's what you sign up for. I get that. I get the notification whenever we get somebody new, and I know what level they're at. They get it added into the Slack. If they've changed, if they've upgraded their their membership, or if they've changed things around, I don't necessarily get that notice. So right. if, if it's been a couple of days or a week and you haven't noticed a Slack invite in your email, hit us up because we 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 can rectify that with the quickness. But it's not something that patron Patreon notifies us of of changes on um on patron levels, which which is whack. But um, things do go by just because of the way the site 
is laid out. It's 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 not easy for for me to always see what's what, and I have to go through it now because um, that it's not a chore. I have to go through it because it's time to update the the wall of appreciation anyway. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I was I was there today because Vince has been blowing my mind and my heart has been singing with these awesome Blue Beetle covers by Paris Collins yeah. and Because yeah. I mean, I remember buying those off the rack, and I love that fucking. Series. You do, well, why don't we have a Blue Beetle omnibus? Why? Dude, it's true. It's weird. It's, it's weird. so stupid. Yeah. I, I love DC. Uh, we don't have many year, on the buses right? from that era. No, we don't. No. Uh, give no. me a Blue Beetle, Blue Devil, Blue Devil, Captain yes. Adam, and I'm done. I'll be like, okay, you are my favorite publisher till the end of time. I know we've got Marvel putting out nine Omniboo in the last three years. No, I'm not even exaggerating. I know, I know. He's, I it's true. But but the, and and it's double dipping. It's it's how many again? Like I said it last time. How many different versions? How many different copies of a Donny Cates book do we need across how many different oh, omnibus? You know what kills yeah, me, though? True. I'm looking at this Marvel horror omnibus. Mm-hmm. The fuck does Hulk 180 and 181 have to do with horror? I'd go. It's oh, scary. come on. Yeah, no, I, Seriously? Nah, nah, son. But um, <laughs> what I was going to say was, uh, and if you are a member of our patron uh, group, take note, the care packages will be going out soon. Yes, with and, a special surprise that you're going to be happy that it's it, – well, you're probably not happy that it's delayed, but but hopefully there's going to be a surprise in there that's going to make you really happy that it was delayed. Right. Well, I mean, Jason's stealing my thunder, but whatever. Oh, sorry. And uh, the thing is that he had planned to uh, create something uh, new and unique for our patrons, something they can only get as a patron. Like, let's reward you guys for being there for us every single month. So uh, Jason took the bull by the horns, and he, <laughs> he called me a dick, as he is wont to do, and he had something commissioned specifically for the show. So everyone that gets a care package will have one of these things yep. in their box, and you can only get them as a patron. And if we do decide to produce these things uh, outside of the patron realm, the color palette for these things will be unique to yes. the patrons. Mm, variants. It's it. Love yes. it. Yeah, you're never going to get these two colors together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can probably figure it out, but I'm not going to spill the beans. You're going to wait, yes. and you're going to get it. You're going to be like, holy shit, this is the best thing ever. I'm and the cool kids yeah. club. And yeah, kudos to Jason for, for coming up with it. I I helped out just a teensy oh, bit. Oh, sure did, yeah. Nah, but you, you're the one who did it. So. But I will say, too, now that we've broken the cherry on that, and it was a very smooth painless process i think right. we're gonna have some fun with it oh yeah producing color variations is nothing now or others entirely new oh yeah 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 like the, like going to Disney, right Get, see don't ruin it sash. no don't stop i'm gonna have to take that out now but anyway all right what you're about to hear is an interview with a, a very very prolific not only writer he's just a prolific person Renaissance man. Yeah, just does not know when to quit. Uh, Writer of The Last God, Future State Superman, Worlds of War, uh, Future State House of L, the um, uh, Warlords of Appalachia, uh, Aliens for Marvel. Is it Aliens for Marvel? Now, I didn't ask him because I didn't want to hear the answer, but is this going to be an integration of the the alien franchise within the marvel universe 
this book he's writing is not, but I assure you that <laughs> that that these that Xenomorphs will make their way into the Marvel universe just like Conan did. But this book is is standalone. It's it's set in the Wayland Otani science fiction. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. New Century Fox universe. Yeah, and the man's name, if you didn't already know, is Mister Philip Kennedy Johnson. Yes. And speaking of shouting out our brothers for putting in the work, Dap took the baton and ran with this one on the setting this up. Generally speaking, you know, in terms of divisions of roles, I do a lot of the behind the scenes usually of trying to get our guests set up more often than not. But Dap didn't even like he was like, yo, dudes, I hooked this up. My man's coming over like, do it, do it. Nice. Yeah. Dap did a lot of work on this, and we we appreciate it because yeah, you know, enlightening, informative, uh, just a great guy. You'll hear it. Sit back, uh, relax, and enjoy. And we'll be back at the end of this here thing to uh, kiss you goodnight. Mm-hmm. It's too soon. Oh, sorry, I'm always premature. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Map of the Philippines. Boom. Oh my God, you're so much better than that. <laughs> Working blue. So tonight we have a uh, – I'm excited about tonight. We have a very special guest uh, this evening, someone who's never been on the show before. We've been teasing it uh, for the past couple of weeks now. But this is an Eisner-nominated writer published by DC and Marvel, Boom Studios, Archaea, uh, IDW, Aftershock, and Scout Comics. He's created – this is going to give it away – but he created The Last God, Last Sons of America, Warlords of Appalachia, Smoketown, and more uh, in March – he will be writing DC Superman books, starting with Superman 29 and Action Comics 1029, uh, following the future state, Superman Worlds of War. And he's going to be writing Alien for Marvel Comics. Um, man is a soldier, a trumpet player, a composer, a ranger, uh, and a teacher. Uh, he tours with the U.S. Field Band, U.S. Army Field Band, same reading off my notes, and the Federal Brass of Washington, D.C. This is my favorite part. He loves the American art forms, jazz, comic books, and mixed martial arts. And maybe we'll find out why you don't want to mention that MMA comes from Brazil. We are going to be talking tonight to Philip Kennedy Johnson. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for being here. So good to have you. Yeah. Yep, uh, welcome aboard. This Thanks. has been brewing for a long, long, long time because – yeah. Uh, I, I have to be totally honest. You captured my attention with The Last God, number one. Uh, not only the writing, but uh, Federici's art is, is just amazing. But And it was the back matter. It was a whole package. But issue five, and I, I may be burying the lead here, but issue five, you spun my head around and I am definitely a fan for life i don't care what you do the fact that you have superman is even you know more delicious icing on the cake but i got nothing but love for last god oh man thanks a ton for saying that i appreciate that that's a labor of love for sure and here's my question (laughs) buried in there how long have you been dragging around kane enun because it 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 it, i don't believe that something like that sprung from you fully formed in like weeks this thing has to have been brewing for what i can only imagine would be like decades it's so real oh well thank you man i it's um 
it wasn't as long as all that. I it took a few months to to prep the first issue, and that that was there's a lot of world building in that, of course. Um, it just basically it comes from a love of fantasy novels, and um, just the 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 real the recogni- recognizing that um, all the best fantasy writing is all about world building and just making sure that the world feels old and lived in and. Um, it can't just be sur- like when you read a fantasy story that's just surface level, it shows. And um, when it's something like Tolkien or or George R. R. Martin or the, you know, all the the greats, they made these worlds that just go on forever. Like you can tell when you when you walk into a new city, and there's every sign that you're in a place with a new culture you've never seen before. There's all this, you know, you see new religions and cultures and hear new languages. And it just it just shows. It's so easy to see how deep it goes. And I didn't want this to be a, just a bullshit version of that. I wanted it to be. I wanted to stand next to the stories that I love so much. So anytime a question came up, like uh, for example, an example I just gave the other day was um, like when we're I'm describing a panel in which a couple of slaves are walking through the slave cradles in Tirgalad. Um, would you know? I had to describe what the walls looked like, uh, what the alleyway looked like. And I started thinking, okay, so are we talking clay or stone, or if it's stone, where the stones come from, and um, is it the same as we saw in Palace Square? Is it different? And we, I started making up the history that go with that city to make sense of why the slave cradles would be so much newer than Palace Square, and like, was it elves that built it, or or humans, or why is it called Tirgalad? And um, just not letting any question go unanswered, just trying to think of all the questions that an, another writer might not have thought of and just going deeper and deeper and de- like answering every question with a question and then answering that with another question and just seeing how, how deep the rabbit hole can go. Um, and in the end, it left me with this really long, lavish history that went on for you know millennia and had stuff in there about race relations and um, you know wars and rival religions and which ones were true and which ones were lies and um because you know the real world is not we don't have like the you know the common tongue or whatever we don't have the the earth language we all you know there's multiple languages in every continent and every every quote-unquote culture has multiple languages within that or dialects and i wanted this to be just as real you know so you just keep going deeper and deeper as long as you as as you just keep dumping the hours into it until it, it feels like a real place and that was what we did here Right, you and I are cut from the same cloth, my friend, because um, I teach illustration. Oh, nice! And I I batter my students with the fact that they could never ask why too many times. Why Why does this character look like it does? Why is its posture the way it is? Why do the clothes look the way they do? Why is its environment such as it is? And and down each successive link in the chain and they're tired of hearing it by now because i I mean i fully believe that you can never question yourself enough when creating from from whole cloth from scratch right yeah that's the vibe i got and and i'm glad you confirmed it that's the vibe i i got initially from last god was like wow there's there's been a lot of soul searching in this book and they've they've answered uh, or, or quested for a lot of reasons as to why everything works the way it does well thanks man i'm, I'm really glad you had that reaction i mean it's there were things that, I, that were inspired by by you know real world mythology like the name cana noon comes from another a, a place of a similar name in mythology here um, 
the the Grendel, of course, like obviously comes from the word Grendel uh, from Beowulf, and there there are names that come from you know there. When I was making up a new language, I would I would try to have a like one or two languages that kind of served as the root for that language. Um, like in, the, in issue, I think it was maybe issue three, maybe. Um, you see the um, the hymn to Fraith in the back, which in that world is the the oldest example of written language that exists. Um, Fraith is a false god of the of the Riverlands of the North, and um, I wanted to write a version like ancient Cumric. Cumric is is their word for for English there, and um, that's the language in the book primarily. And um, ancient Cumric, I wanted it to be you know how if you've ever read st- something in Old English, it doesn't look like English at all, really. Like it's, it looks more like if you just glance at it, it doesn't look, you don't recognize it as English at, at all. It looks more like German or something. Um, but if you really dig into it, you can start to see word. You can start to see how a certain word, if you see it next to it, like if you see Beowulf next to a translation, you might occasionally see a word that you can see where it would have come, like how it might have gotten from there to this. Um, and so I basically made up a whole different history for English. Um, like how to, you know, just taking, I kind of, um, reverse engineered a different, like a different, uh, glossary of words. Like, okay. So the, the word, if the words, if the word is spear in English, in modern Cumeric, you know, quote unquote English, um, what's another word in the, using this dialect that it could have come from. And I just kind of make a more primitive version of, of English using different vowels and imagining a different pronunciation and all that. So it takes a lot of, it takes an insane amount of time. <laughs> Right. But, but then you've got this kick-ass poem that looks like a legit language and is. I've got like a, a full glossary of hundreds of words in this language. I could – I actually end – I have a little afterword at the, at the back of the last issue that comes out tomorrow. And that's uh, that's an actual thing that you can translate if you know how. I mean it's it's all – it's a real language that you could speak if you wanted to. And it was it was important to me that if uh, if this book really hit and if people really went down the nerd hole for, you know, for the next generation and started treating it like – Klingon or something that it would hold up. That was important to me that it would hold up. That's amazing. Yeah, I, there, there's no. You definitely don't get the sense that anything was half-assed about it. It it, it definitely feels lived in, feels thought through. Um, and that's actually that's so. I'm curious as to a. I'm curious to, to, to how it ended up at at DC and under the black label. Does that mean I, I looked at the copyright? So unlike. Vertigo, which of course could have been owned in, in quotes by DC along with the creators, is The Last God solely yours? Does DC have any claim to this if anything were to happen with it? And why is it why why is it in the format of a traditional comic book unlike some of the other black label books? Um well originally it was envisioned when we first pitched it, it was envisioned as a vertigo book. Um so I mean, enough time has passed now that I don't think anyone's going to get this to me for admitting that it's it was going to be a Vertigo book and first and then that's when all the conversations about what Vertigo was and whether they, you know that's when all that kind of started to happen. Um, so it ended up being a black label um, because Vertigo is no longer around, but it's still a creator. It's still a creator-owned book. Uh, Ricardo and I still own it, but DC still controls a fair bit of it as far as what they want to do with the rights and everything. But it's still but it's owned by by Ricardo and I. Okay. It's kind of a yeah. It's it's not so much ownership as far as who gets profit or anything, but they they do have a a controlling share and like just decisions that are made. Uh, but it's but it's a creator-owned book, and it was 
it, I can see why you'd say that about Black Label, because Black Label seems to have become kind of a home for out-of-continuity, darker superhero books, more, mostly. Mm-hmm. But it's also home to stuff like uh, Hill House, like yep. Joe Hill's stuff. And um, just with the, with the kind of stuff that they had, the vision that they had for Black Label, um, Last Guy still made sense there. Because they, were, they, were, you know, they decided to really invest in it. They gave us 12 issues for the series, which is pretty nuts for a, a creator-owned fantasy book with, with a relatively young team. Um, Oversized issues, too. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that only happened because they, like, kind of word was getting around to how much shit I was doing for this book, where I was like, man, these, this guy's writing, like, songs and crap and, and language. He's got a source book. I mean, that's what's amazing. Yeah. I, I, you, you did not, like I said, there's, you, nothing is, is kind of, everything is, is designed to, to really make you comfortable. I'm just, I'm a little, I'm, uh, since obviously it just says book one, yeah. Are we getting more books? Do you have how many more books do you have envisioned, or, or just? But yes, what what what's coming next? I mean, I could just roll out of bed and do two more, like do do books two and three right now. I mean, if we were if we were going to go beyond that, I'd figure what we would do next. But it's but there's tons of stories that we could pull from. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, a lot of those extra stories were kind of written by accident. I mean, I. In the first issue, a lot of it just grew out of my relationship working with Ricardo. And at the end of the first issue, you see uh, the, the palace burning, and there's a statue of a woman there with uh, wearing a breastplate and shield and spear. And I had not put that in the script. Ricardo just put that in, and it it looked badass, but it kind of didn't make sense um, because the the culture of Tirgalad, which had been Olvargalad before that, is all super patriarchal. It's like it's all about the men, and um, it didn't make sense for a woman to be wearing to be wearing armor like a like dressed like a warrior. But it looked awesome, and I'm, I'm not. It's not like I'm going to tell Ricardo, you know, take that out. So in, instead, I looked at it, I was like, well, okay. So how do we make sense of this? She must be super badass to be to be revered in this way. And it kind of led me to write this story about Q Lee, Queen of Rivers, this this white woman from the north who ran away from her rapist brother and eventually became enslaved by the Elva and eventually became one of them and uh, had this had this crazy, amazing, exciting life and was late after her death was kind of revered by both the Elva and by by men as one of their own. Um, so and they have two very different histories about who Q Lee was. Um, but that I mean, they only remember her by that name because in the in the Riverlands they don't actually record women's names, so they don't know what her actual given name was. They just know her by her elven name, um, and so that kind of gave rise to this whole legend about who she was. And even though that she, even though she was mostly fighting against humans primarily as an elven war chief or a war priest, um, she is she like the you know history was kind of. Um, you know, altered by on the on the men's side um, as being one of their great heroes, and that gave us what. Now we've got this amazing character that's in the in the background that happened that lived centuries before the events of this story, that lived at the same time as Hakon the Shamed back when he was Hakon the Peerless, and there's this whole other fellowship that we could talk about at any time. It's um, and that was just because of Ricardo threw that extra picture in there. <laughs> And, wow, but the, thematically though that fits in with the regular series because you have a number of characters that straddle groups of people. 
right? They're 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 not strictly, um, let's just say, human, uh, as in the case of even deer. He's got a, something else in his genetic makeup, right? And yeah, then, exactly. Right, and the um, uh, the um, Schiff, she's right. she's part God in a, in a sense. So yeah. she she lives in two worlds, and I just think that it's amazing that uh, you have characters that don't only function in one respect. They're, they're, they have their their uh, a foot in each world. It's that's a great approach. Thank you. Yeah, another one like that is um, uh, what's her name? Jesus. Um, oh my God. Vol, not Valco, but um, his mom. Oh, uh, yeah, Vico Almun. Um, is my saying it pronouncing it wrong? The the ferryman king. Oh, Vico Almun. Yes, yes, the ferryman king. Exactly. Yeah, Vaco is. Um, she is not exactly like to call her trans is kind of a simplification of what she is. But she because in that in that culture, men and women is very different than than the Riverlands, where like it's there's no reason she's not the ferryman queen. You know, she's the she still she identifies as a woman. She has she's had a partner. She has a son, obviously, but she's recognized as the ferryman king. Right. Because there's no there's no there's no differentiation of of roles there, even though it's very unusual for for a female to hold the role that she's in, it's not a problem, you know. Um, so she's yeah, it's there's a lot of characters that have a lot of complex backstories that I would love to get into in other in other arcs if we could. I kept a close eye on the pronouns uh, when she was mm-hmm. introduced because, uh, and and again, it's a testament to Mr. Federici's skill because. She definitely straddles the line that the David Bowie line between you yeah. know the androgyny, <laughs> and and I had to you know take note: is this a, a male or female? And it doesn't really matter, right? Uh, at the end of yeah, the day, that, that, exactly. That was the key. I wanted it to not really matter. Right, right. Uh, I should have asked this going in, but um, how about your background? Are you a longtime comics reader? I am, man. I, I learned how to read off of comics when I was a kid. I like I don't remember a time. I don't remember a time being unable to read. And that was because I just I had comics in my face since I was since before I can even remember. Dad would dad would come home with these boxes of little ripped up books from from wherever he got them from garage sales or um, flea markets and stuff like that. I didn't get a whole lot of new stuff. Mostly it was you know things that he got for you know buck a buck for a box. But sometimes I would um, back then. Comics were on you know grocery store. Magazine racks and yeah. and, gro- and drug stores and stuff. So I would just grab. Sometimes I would, if I was good and nobody was pissed off, I could get another uh, something new. But primarily, I was reading old stuff, yeah. and uh, that's just how I learned to read. Uh, I ask because there's a DC series, miniseries that was released in I think 1990 by mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Delano and John Higgins called World Without End. And <laughs> while while the books aren't you know conceptually similar they feel like they could take place in the same universe to me uh, have you ever read that world without end i haven't no uh, dap is it, is it a fantasy I, book? yeah it, yeah well fantasy sci-fi book um but it, it's fully painted by higgins and it just it feels like to me that they they could be like sister stories Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, it's 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 a six issue miniseries uh, from 1990, and it is it's it's got the DC the old school DC bullet on it. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't an imprint. Uh, obviously, it's pre Helix, pre Vertigo, but it was um, 
but yeah, Vince, I, Vince actually had me pick it up at, um, I think it was New York Comic Con a couple of years ago. Um, and it's sitting on my spinner rack waiting to be read. I just haven't had a chance to yet, but I mean, because got, of him, I got it. I've got Delano in my veins. Like I, oh, yeah. I've read every word of Hellblazer ever. Right. And you know, he, he wrote a lot of that, that great stuff. So that's cool. I'll look it up. Yeah, and visually, I mean, the trade dress is very similar. Cardstock covers. Yeah, um, uh, it, yeah it, 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 it sits in the same design space as uh, Last God. If you, can, you could probably find each issue very cheaply, like a buck you know, or two. Well, uh, I'll definitely look. I'll be, I'll be looking for it next time. I, oh, see, I'm looking it up right now, actually. Nice. <laughs> Damn, yeah. Okay. It's in the zone, right? Yeah, these, are, these covers are red. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was either. For sure. Philip, you know, uh, it, it always fascinates me with, with the arc of, of a comic creator, particularly a writer, because um, I feel like a lot of people have said to us, listeners of the show, like, oh, this this new guy, Philip Kennedy Johnson, once Last God kind of broke. And then I suspect you'll hear that a lot more uh, in 2021 because of your work on Superman and, and Alien, right? Because you're going to reach a whole different audience. But obviously, you've been at this for a while, um, did a bunch of stuff at Boom!, and, and the like, but uh, I'm not sure I know like your origin story beyond that. I mean, as you said, you were you were grew up loving comics, but how did you break in? Um, especially given you know what I think to be a pretty unique background, and that you're an active member of the U.S. military and a musician. So you know, yeah, not sort of the stere- Superman. Yeah, not not like the stereotypical, in, in as much as there is a stereotypical path to becoming um, you know comic writer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, something. Uh... A thing that kind of goes around in the comics biz is like once once you've once you found your path into the business, that path is forever closed to everyone else. Like it's it's this it's this weird mysterious gig to get. And and my story in was definitely super duper weird. Um, so it kind of began. So yeah, I've been reading comics forever since I you know all the way through like the very earliest days of college, and then I kind of fell out of it as I got busy at school. I um I kind of gave it up. I was not reading for fun at that point. I was just working my ass off. And um, and I so I became a musician. When I was younger, I wanted to be a comic artist, um, but that was just because I liked it. I wasn't. I mean, I was I was good at it for a kid, but I wasn't like you know great talent. And at some point, I kind of fell out of it and, and started moving towards music. That was something I was better at, something I really wanted to do. And so I just sold my soul to the practice room and kind of didn't look back. And I just did music forever. And um, so got out of college, got a job, got a, had a couple you know road gigs, ended up in the U.S. Army Mil- uh, Army Field Band in Washington, D.C., uh, and that's where I am now still. Um, and after I've been there for a couple of years, I, I have a younger brother who's an artist. He, he was also a musician and an artist, and he went the other way. He wanted to be an artist, like, legit, and kind of didn't know how to get started. Um, and I had always – he didn't really have a portfolio. I mean, he didn't. He had a bunch of pinups. He, he could he could draw a single image of Wolverine, looking badass or something. But he wasn't like he didn't have pages of sequentials and didn't know how comics were made or where to go or anything about it. We we're just two. We both kind of grew up in the sticks and didn't have internet or anything. We we're just like just a couple of dumbasses and didn't know what to do next. Um, so I was like, well, I mean, you don't know. He didn't know. How, he didn't have any kind of know how with illustration software. And I knew enough to know that those that, that that's a big part of it. And I was like, look, there's a I'm in the army now playing music. There's we've got doctors and lawyers and truck drivers and dental hygienists and like there's all these crazy jobs. There's a there's a job in the military called multimedia illustrator where you could get in the army and draw. <laughs> 
and they'd they'd train you using this software that you need to know anyway. And then you'd have the GI Bill after that, and you could go to art school because I mean, his grades were fine, but they weren't enough to just walk into art school. Um, didn't have any scholarship money waiting for him or anything. So I was like, dude, just come come live with me. Like, just come move in move in with me. I live up in DC. We'll we'll just work, we'll work out every day. We'll get jacked. We'll get you ready for your tests that you got to take to get in the army. And if it's something you want to do, we'll get you in and we'll get you set up. And that's what we did. He just he moved in with me and we started going to conventions. I didn't know shit either. And we we started reading books about how comics were made. Um, had there's a great book that Andy Schmidt wrote that I think a lot of that we, we read that book and kind of lived by it and i wrote a couple of short stories for him um that were really fun and um yeah he just kind of figured out how to do it on um, using my computers lived in my house and joined the army and drew for the army for six years <laughs> and uh when he was while he was in he was getting busy and i started i was having a really good time i'd really enjoyed writing for him and i was like do you mind if i work if i start looking for other artists to work with he was cool with it. He was, he was too busy to do my next thing anyway, so I just kept going to conventions. And I um, I wrote this essay for my blog about uh, kind of comparing the mediums of comics and jazz. And Ron Mar- I reached out to Ron Mars about it, and he, and he liked it and got it run on CBR. Became good friends with Ron Mars, and he kind of introduced me to some other people. And I mean, that was just sort of, you know, just you stick your toe in the door, and then you kick a little – kick it open a little bit wider and wider, wider until you start to meet more and more people until I finally, I met Philip Sablick at boom studios and Ron was like, Hey man, I got this kid. who has got all these pitches on his, on a Kindle fire for these different books. He's got put together. You should really look at him. And Philip's like, (sighs) like, fuck you, Ron. Like now I got to do it. This kid's sitting right here. And so he looked at my stuff and actually really liked him, especially one of them. And one of those became last sons of America, boom studios. And um, that was my first book. And after you get your first book printed, everything else becomes so much easier. I mean, because mm-hmm. especially, especially if you if you, just, if you establish you are easy to work with, you can turn in good work on time, you're not a jerk, um, you don't make editor's life really hard. It just makes it so much easier to do the next one. And um, after that, it became – up to that point, it was a huge slog just trying to get noticed. And after that, it became way easier. And then that book led to another and another and another until DC noticed. And then I got some some bigger stuff. Uh, bigger stuff. You got the big dog. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's okay. So is there, yes. Okay. So you're going to be writing Superman now and, and, um, picking, I'm not gonna say picking up, but, um, reading one of the interviews late last year, earlier this year, when, when the news broke, um, you threw out some names, some characters, uh, one of which I know absolutely um, made Vince stiff. But you had um, – is is there a – do you have a, a favorite Superman era? Um, not an era as much as specific runs that I really love. Um, I really like Kingdom Come a lot. Not just for Superman, but for just the whole story that was told there, the art and the whole presentation of it, the story. Like, I mean, when I when I saw Superman on the page, though, when you see him on the farm, and then when you see him at the end of that issue, kicking ass, that I mean, literally made me kind of sniffly. I was like, oh my god, this is what Superman is. I just loved it so much to see him on the on the page the way I wanted to see him was so powerful. Because I mean, it made me feel like I felt watching the opening credits 
of the 1978 film, like just mm-hmm. hear, hearing the trumpets and seeing the oh, S- yeah. seeing the S shield come on screen. It's like dun 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 dun, and you just you just want to fly and just be the best thing ever and to save everyone, you know. That uh, he just captured that feeling in that book. Uh, Grant Morrison's All Star Run also kind of does that for me. Like there are these really powerful moments in that run that just capture who he is so much. Um, Jeff Loeb did a beautiful job in uh, Superman for All Seasons. I agree. Another Mark Wade story. Um, Birthright was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the other ones? There's actually there's a single issue from back in the day, Superman 400, um, which is an anthology that was very powerful to me. And that was not just there wasn't a, there was not like one single story in there. It was like yeah, that's perfect. It was just the idea. It was just the concept of, of portraying Superman in, a, in such an artistic way. That it was this all star cast of people doing the art for that book. I mean, the, the biggest legends of comics ever alive at that time. Yep. Um, and uh, <laughs> it was just amazing to see Superman portrayed in such a creative way. Like all these short stories. It was all the concept of the whole thing was Superman in the future. Like what could Superman be like in the mm-hmm. future? What would we think of him in the future? And these future state issues that I did were kind of a tribute to that book. Um, so I was, yeah. was going to ask if, if also if there was um, since obviously it's it's uh, Worlds of War. Mongol is there. If um, I wasn't sure if the Alan Moore for the man who has everything story might, uh, I, I don't think there's a nod in there, but that's, that's, that's one of the other stories that are always mentioned when, you know, people mention all-star. Um, yeah. I, I should have, I should have mentioned that one. I do like, I, lo- I do love that story. It's not, um, that one doesn't jump out at me as like, yes, this is who Superman is. Right. I mean, this, the, the story as a whole is amazing, of course. And actually my, uh, my first story at DC was an was a homage to that book. It was basically an Aquaman take on that on the man who has everything. Um, oh no kidding! Yeah, dude, check it out. I'm very proud of that story. Okay. Um, yeah, it was just an annual. It was uh, it was going to be a two issue inventory thing that ended up becoming an annual. And for those who don't, for listeners who don't know, uh, an inventory issue is something that DC does where they so they've got to have a book on shelves every month. You can't just you can't have Superman come out three months late. There's got to be something on the shelf. So they have these inventory issues that are kind of just ready to go whenever they need to plug one in, if there's ever like a reason they have to plug one in. And uh, it's kind of a good way to test out new people. So my first ever thing there was two, a two-issue Aquaman inventory with Max Fumara, Dave Stewart on colors. Um, turned out beautifully, and um, they ended up using it as an inventory the following year. Or excuse me, uh, an annual, rather. And that was uh, Black Mercy was a big part of it, and yeah. Yeah, that's that, awesome. Yeah. I gotta check that out. Fiamara is an art beast. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, I, love, I love that dude. He's so sure. easy to work with and his, so creative. Yeah, his brother Sebastian is amazing too. Yeah, He's totally. So, yeah. You 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 seriously luck out with working some working with some fantastic artists. Um I mean obviously Federico, but you you're gonna be working with Phil Hester. Um there's uh you just mentioned Fiorama. How do you do you get to pick the artist you get to work with or are they often well I, Honestly, not not usually i mean i um usually they're found by the editors and i i'm not one to complain like if if there were going to be not that i had any reason to complain at all like everyone that they've brought to me has been amazing pretty much um but i 
if they have somebody in mind for the book, usually I just let them do their things. They they typically when they read the story, they usually have somebody that they want to use. Okay. And so far, they serve me very well. I just want to I, I want to be easy to work with, and I I love working with new people anyway. So I just kind of I let them just bring me new people in hopes that I'll keep finding people that I love working with, and eventually I would love to work. I'd love to do some uh, create our own things. I've, there was a guy that I did a Kong story with at Boom years ago, and he did an amazing job. But you don't even really you can't even from the work that's there you can't quite appreciate how amazing he is because he was also work he was turning in like two pages a day some days. I mean he was like he was working unbelievably fast, and when he has real time to, to work with. He's doing some of the best work I've ever seen. So I'm I'm actually working with him again on a on a creator own thing currently. Um, but yeah, like I just I love opportunities to meet new new writer, uh, artists anyway. So I'm happy to work with whoever they give me. Uh-huh. Plus I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask for people like I'm just kind of I'm not as I'm not good enough at self promotion to be like yeah that Ricardo Federici this amazing dude who's like doing the best thing you guys have ever seen I want that guy. I just I just feel weird like making that call I guess. Right. Right, because um, I have no idea. Give it time. Charge. I mean, I'm not the one paying the rate, you know. So I don't want to. Yeah. But after reading uh, Future State Superman, Worlds of War number one, I'm very optimistic. Um, oh, thanks, man. The uh, I mean, you pressed all the right buttons with the War World and and yeah. and manga. It's like stop. Um, but the, the I think the for me the the real surprising part was the the lead in to uh, War World where. Superman has been elevated to uh, godlike status among the humans. Um, and uh, I love the section where you have a bunch of different characters all professing what Superman means to them and why they feel that way. And you got this one know-nothing nerd <laughs> who's just like, nah, man, Superman's the best because he's fast and strong. It's like, Sadie's like, no, that's totally not why Superman is the best. And it it must be very challenging as a writer to make uh, – to craft a novel take on something that's been around since 1938, right? Uh, how do you, you set the bar for yourself to, to make an interesting, uh, challenging Superman story? Like what – what hasn't been done or or what area hasn't been explored with the man of steel well i um <laughs> i don't want to spoil I, there's actually the answer to that question is in my action run <laughs> um, <laughs> so i'm not going to give away too much but i basically um there are some characters that that i want to create myself that that I to me sometimes you'll see sometimes you'll see an opening you'll see like well what about this aspect of their mythology what about this aspect of the universe what this aspect of their past that you don't feel like has been addressed mm-hmm. and I thought there was one of those things um, so there's an aspect of Superman that I think has not really been addressed that we could address and I wanted to so we're doing it uh, there's also sometimes you'll see a character that is not as cool as they could be. So a, a cool like a, a supporting character or a villain that is relatively well known that I consider to be kind of one note. And I mean, Mongol is a cool villain in a lot of ways, but he's not the most nuanced of people, <laughs> and uh, he's kind of one-dimensional in a way, kind of kind of mustache twirly, and it's like I I do evil for evil's sake, and um. 
And we kind of have this, like, Bendis gave us some cool openings. And one of those openings is that Mongol's dead now. And his son is Mongol. Mm-hmm. And he, he introduced the concept that every Mongol that we see is actually the son of another. Like, Mongol is a title. And um, every Mongol that we've seen killed his own father to become Mongol. And we've got a new one of those now. So we actually haven't seen this guy before very much. So now we've got an opening to do a new version of Mongol that I'm that I would like to make much more interesting. That will still be just as badass as all the others. That was just, you know just as powerful and as evil and all that, but not for no reason. And we're going to see him become a much more interesting character in my in my view. Excellent, excellent. Um, so sometimes you try to sometimes you try to build on what's there. Other times you try to fill an opening that you find. And I I think there's I had an opportunity to do both of those in this case. Well, there have been a lot of wonderful characters, um, uh, supporting characters in the Superman books over the decades. Mm-hmm. Are you going to uh, maybe pick any from the Triangle era? Uh, forgive my ignorance. What do you mean? The the the, tri- uh, the Superman the books were the- numbered consecutively with a triangle. It would go from oh. you know Superman to Man of Steel to uh, action. action. Uh, I'm talking characters like you know Bibbo, Cat Grant, Double uh, X. Um, honestly, no, because the story that's coming up is it'll make sense. I mean, you might think that there, okay. I've been pulled over the coals a little bit online. Like, man, you don't want to use Lois. You're a you know <laughs> what a jerk. I it's the, the nature of the story that's coming up um is such that lois and jimmy and bibbo i okay i love bibbo I, I legit do i i still remember this this thing from from back then like around the return of superman days mm-hmm. when he um you know he he finds crypto and gets a tag for him and the reason it's called like he's supposed to be named krypton but they you know the guy who made the tag yeah charges extra for extra letters so you get that's <laughs> how he that's how he becomes crypto yeah. and all, like yeah. there's just it's just a such a lovable character and I would love to use him, and at some point I'm going to use him. But in the in the story that's coming up in action, it is of a nature that kind of doesn't make sense for those characters to be there. Okay. Uh, but you are going to see them in backup stories written by Sean Lewis and probably other people as well at some point. So you're, there's still going to be – we're going to see a lot of stuff happening still at the Daily Planet. It's not stuff that's penned by me. Right. Plus, I mean, in, in, the, in recent history, we've seen a lot of humanization of Superman. We've seen a lot of his time with the – um, with the supporting cast, we've seen. I mean, there's been a ton of shit happening at the Daily Planet with all those characters. Not Bibbo so much, but with the uh, with the the reporters that we see. Right. Um, so I I feel like we've had enough of that for the moment in in what's coming. So my run is going to be more about just the epic nature of who Superman is. I, I just kind of went. I made the most out of what what Brian has done with his stuff, and I'm kind of going the other way. I'm trying to make it as as big and like friggin' gladiator, like Hans Zimmer gladiators, we can. Nice, nice. Uh, another interesting nugget that I pulled from the Worlds of War was that even though Superman's been around for, let's just say, decades by the time the story was written, there's there are still people who do not know. The one guy's like, well, you know what? I think Superman's a shape-shifting alien. <laughs> and <laughs> right. how, how could you not know? <laughs> the The... The mythology speaks for itself, right? But again, people have to complicate things. And as we see outside our window every day, invent shit that doesn't exist, you know, to 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 further their their agendas. And it only stands to reason that Superman would fall under, you know, 
um, would be something that they would ruin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I could see a lot of in real life. I could see a lot of conspiracy. I mean, my God, look at just look at the COVID stuff. Right. <laughs> I mean, like you know, everyone's like, I literally saw a picture on Facebook the other day that somebody had like had gotten the supposedly gotten the injection and had pulled a microchip out of their own arm oh, and it okay. and it was it was the size of like it was like an inch and a half long or something <laughs> like it was so clearly bs but somebody somebody put that out there you know yeah. to uh, anyway um and that's like that's something that is perfectly plausible and, and ordinary and so imagine you've got superman what people would think and say and and there are legit questions like there you know it's it's a comic book that was conceived in the 30s, and there are, if you really pick it apart, just things that don't make sense. Like, yeah, he's, he came from another galaxy. Why is he a white guy with two arms and legs and eyelashes and looks exactly like all of us? Um, so I'd, I could see, you know, a QAnon crew picking that apart and making up all these different stories about what where he, where he actually is, where he's actually gone. Um, you know, it gave me a chance to kind of actually question the all the little chinks in the story and um, just let us examine our own faith in what Superman is. Like we have to kind of believe we have to suspend belief in the glasses and the fedora gag and uh, the fact that he looks just like all of us do. And the fact that he's been around since the thirties yet, he's still, you know, 35 years old. And, you know, it, there's all these things that we have to just kind of put aside because we, because we love him and because we believe in him. Right. Right. Well, and, just like last God, you're turning over every stone and inspecting the, the icky stuff that, is underneath the you know the the surface level that everybody sees. I really appreciate that because there are a lot of times where I get the feeling that um, books at the big two and call me jaded. Um, sorry, uh, a lot of times I get the feeling that they're just produced for the paycheck, right? That uh, you can tell the the guys that really love what they're doing, and you can tell the the guys and gals that are just hacking it out to to you know for that beach house in bermuda um such as it is yeah you're, you're uh, cute that you think i said think such as it is or buying bermuda beach houses <laughs> <laughs> my yeah my my well, dude i mean vince makes a good point and i i see what he's saying that that, that was vince right mm-hmm. <laughs> okay just double Nailed it. it not uh, introspective enough for Jason, so I had to step in and, and ask the real good questions. Um, so I know what you mean. I know it's – and I, I kind of um, – I kind of sympathize with that because some of these guys are cranking out three or four books a month. I mean I myself am doing three books a month at, at least. Like it's, that's my standing number. If there's an extra short story or something, that's on top of that. Right. And you're you're revising – stories you've already finished while you're writing the new ones. And in my case, I'm also in the army at the same time. I know some other people have other obligations. It's just a ton of work. And I can see that, um, in the, in a job like comics where the train is constantly moving and you're pulling apart the track behind the train and building it in front of the train. And it's just this constant thing that's always moving. It's hard to keep up and it can be hard to make time to read and be inspired and to replenish the love of the medium that you always had. Um, and there are times when I'm writing, I'm writing a script, and um, I have to kind of like literally my – now I'm that asshole. This is literally in the wrong place. <laughs> um, I'm writing, and um, 
my hands seriously just like stop on the keyboard like is this is this issue special i don't think it is like i don't think i'm i'm not getting that feeling from the opening credits of 1978 superman right now i'm just i'm just writing a page and i'll have to i'll just stop what i'm doing and i'll go read great work and i'll I'll read somebody that inspires me and i'll, I'll find somebody who's you know better than i am or who's, who's doing something i would not have thought of so like a, a book like um the David Rubin, San, uh, San Diego Garcia, um, Beowulf, which is so. My uh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, well, sir. Just, just made Jason a fan for life. <laughs> David Rubin is, is one of my top five favorite cartoonists. So, so, uh, keep, so keep, keep going, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, his, that book is incredible, right? That's like the, when he's uh, when you see Beowulf, uh, when you see, uh, excuse me, uh, Grendel walking around in the in uh, the mead hall and you see those little windows in there, like you're showing you what he's seeing and they're all, all the perspective has changed, what, what they do with the color, what they do when Beowulf's on the beach and you see uh, what happened, you know, what's happening now, what's happened, what happened when Beowulf killed everyone. There's just so many, sorry for people who haven't read this. I'm sure this is like super interesting. Um, anyway, so all the little stuff in that book that made that book special. Um, same thing with my favorite thing is monsters. That's an incredible book that I never could have done. I mean, I, I am so enamored with that book. Uh, Two Brothers is another great, uh, another great um, graphic novel. I've got these, this list of of amazing books that I come to that I go back to over and over again just to remind myself what truly great work is, stuff that has raised the bar, and uh, just to kind of just you know water the garden and not let myself get stale. Um, but you have to take. I mean, sometimes I've literally blown deadlines to do that because I mean I, I'm just I'm doing a book and I feel like I'm phoning it in. Like I've got to get this done by tomorrow, and it's just not good enough. I'm like, nope, I can't turn this in yet. It's not ready. Um, it's not good enough. Nobody's going to care about this. This is going to be nobody's favorite story. And I want I want the story to be somebody's favorite out there, or to or to get at some deep truth of what the character is, or to give people those chills I got watching that the opening credits of that film. You know, it has to be special. And um, comics is a grind. It can be hard for people to admit, take the time to do that. Um, so I, I sympathize with those people. I, I sympathize with you too, though. And <laughs> with reading books where I'm like, wow, this is this is just some cape and mask crap. And yeah, I, it's just yeah. not, not, not good enough, you know. Uh, you still want, even though you're writing, you know, what is essentially kid stuff, it doesn't mean you can't elevate it and make it something great. And that's what I'm trying to do in every book. And whenever I feel like I'm definitely not, whenever I can recognize that I'm not doing that, I'll stop and I'll, you know, put something in my brain that elevates it. Right. Well, kudos for fighting that battle because um, I'm thinking it's an unwinnable war. (laughs) You are a human being. You're mortal. And uh, there is a lot of um, things piling up uh, that, that affect your, your work. And you know, but I'm glad I'm glad you're you're trying it. I'm, I'm dab. Well, I'll be along for the ride. Yeah. Um, there's. Um, do you have anything in your back pocket, uh, not specifically uh, of the superhero genre? Is in other stories that I'm going to be doing in the, in the future? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, Super secret stories, or <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm writing a kids book right now uh, with a, a former collaborator of mine, uh, Dustin Mollick, who was the he was the um, colorist on Smoketown. I did scout comics, 
and he's also a great illustrator in his own right. And he and I are doing a kids' book that's very important to me. That's great. Something, something I made for my son. That's been pretty cool. That's cool. Um, if you check out my social media, let me see. Let me look up. It's on my Facebook. Sorry, I'm clicking on this real quick. My um, my background pick on my Facebook profile is this this big fantasy image. Actually, it's by that the guy from Kong I mentioned, Chad Lewis. Um, those these two like a teenage girl and her little brother hunting this gigantic wolf, and um, it's this really kick-ass fantasy picture. Um, that is uh, from a book that I'm doing now. I'll create her own thing that I'm doing with him. I can talk about it, I guess, more freely because it doesn't have a publisher yet. It's still it's still extremely early, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a very different kind of fantasy than Last God is. Um, it's kind of a like a post-apocalyptic Camelot story, if that makes sense. Um, kind of like a like Mad Max meets Excalibur kind of a thing. Um, it's really really fun. I'd love I'd love to put that out soon. Um, but that's right now. It's still very pie in the sky. It's super early, right? And uh, but it's coming out beautifully, and I can't wait for to, you know to have it out there. Um, what else can I talk about? Pretty much nothing. I have several other stories that I still need to script and get out there. Um, that I'm supremely confident of that I think will make a really great stories. I got to find the right artist for them, and uh, I have a screenplay I want to finish when I have when I find a when I find a second. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. Awesome. So you're constantly working. Yeah, seriously. I'm. I get up and I work until I fall down. <laughs> so, all right. So, so um, being um, I, I can be ignorant here. Being active duty uh, is 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 that is that considered a full time job or is being a writer your full time job? If 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 you if anything happens and you get obviously people at DC are aware, but but you know, what would how 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 is your are you writing so are your scripts far enough in advance where if something were God forbid to happen you your work would still be out there um my gig with the army I me mean, yeah i am i am full-time with the army but the job right now due to covid is different than it was and now because before so i play in a military band in dc and we tour a lot we tour about a third of the year uh, but we haven't been touring lately because it's not safe to have concerts so we are still streaming a lot of shows uh, live pretty much every day and um i'm involved in those shows I'm, i play on some of them other ones i have behind the scenes roles i'm also in charge of writing at the, at the building so um like i'm writing ed- uh, articles or farming them out and editing them or you know in charge of proofers and all that um it's just a different kind of job right now i'm also on the the physical training staff so whenever we have a physical fitness test i'm I administer those tests i'm one of a, you know a group of people that do um, it's just a different kind of job than it used to be. Um, but as soon as we're able to get back on the road again, we're going to be doing that. Um, and I, I, you know, I get a lot of writing done when we're on tour, but we're on the bus a lot every day. And then we are, you know, at the concert venue and we're setting up and we're playing and we're tearing down. So there's like a, you know, kind of a work hours type thing between roughly 4 PM to maybe 10 or 11 PM where I'm doing the, doing the gigs or some kind of preparatory or post gig thing. And then the rest of the time, I'm pretty much writing constantly. Um, it's, it's still got to work out because it's the Army, and you're expected to look a certain way and be able to do certain things. Um, and there's also Army training you got to keep up with. There's like things you do on a computer or things you do like as a group together. 
Um, so yeah, it's a full-time gig. Lately, it's been a little sporadic, and this is different than it was due to COVID restrictions. But at some point, I imagine, I'm, I'm guessing probably by fall, the way things are looking, we'll probably get back to a version of the old normalcy uh, by fall, um, whatever that looks like then. So, my man, ha- oh, this is this is your man from my own heart. So, husband, father, writing multiple books, comics, pl- playing an instrument at a high level, being in the military full time, and having to work out because you're in the military full time. How do do you sleep? Like, are you like <laughs> have you figured out a way to to not need sleep? That is a that is a, a full plate. It, it is. Thanks for saying that. I um yeah. I mean, I didn't. I slept. I, I pulled an all nighter last night actually. Um, which I don't like doing. <laughs> I uh, I did well. That's not that's not entirely fair. I did I did fall asleep at the computer in my lap for about an hour, <laughs> so that counts. Um, and then when I got my my son all hooked up with his homeschooling stuff, I grabbed another quick cat nap, and that is what I'm going off of right now. Um, but tonight I should be able to sleep okay because my next thing's not due till Friday, so that's cool. <laughs> um, so I'm going to sleep tonight, so that's good. <laughs> for sure. Um, and then I'm going to try like hell to get the script in by Friday. If that doesn't work, I'll have to work through the weekend. But, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's hard. I won't lie. I'm struggling. It's, um, I mean, how, the, the way I do it is just to struggle constantly. And that's the answer. Like, I just constantly work. And I, mm-hmm. the stuff, my, my time that I spend with my son is spent, because that's, like, that's another non-negotiable thing that I, I insist on doing every day. Like, we have time together every day, no matter what. Especially now that I'm not on the road. I definitely make the most of not being on the road. Um. So I'm with him a lot, and uh, a lot of that time is kind of I'm sneakily multitasking with him. Like we'll go on a run together, and I'm, it counts towards my physical fitness. It's not a, I mean I'm not running fast because he's you know he's six. He's not he's he's running fast for his age, but he's not like I, I'm not getting a proper run in. But I'm at least burning off some calories doing it. Sure. And then we'll do I'll, I'll train him in jujitsu and muay thai, and I'll I'll, I'll work the back. <laughs> I'll work the bag a little bit while I'm doing that. So I'm getting in like just little bits and pieces of PT while I'm spending time with him playing games. We're making games out of all this stuff. Like when I'm, when we're running to him, we're playing like we'll run literally three miles and be talking about, um, you know, he's, he's this character he made up called Nightblade and I'm Batman and we're fighting off the Brainiac characters that we, you know, like, so the whole time we're playing while we're getting jacked together. (laughs) Well, those are the things that make memories. Yes. Yeah. yeah he is exactly. going to remember that forever. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's awesome. Is it uh, is 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 it cool that Dad writes comic book stories and he's writing Superman, or is it just does he just see it as a job? No, he's he digs it. He's way into DC stuff. That's and, awesome. And Marvel too. Like, he kind of goes back and forth, but he's um he watches he's going through that the animated series every morning bit by bit, and um he but he also he's watching a little bit of like a a new version of Spider Man that I'd never seen before. Uh, he's watching some of that today too. Um, yeah, he's wait- he'll make up his own characters he- when he's watching. It, even when he's watching TV, he's not just sitting like a lump and watching. He'll he'll put himself in the show. Like he'll he'll make up a character, give him a name. I and- love that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So he's. I mean, I can't even fault him for watching TV because he's he's working out the whole time. He's he's flinging batarangs and doing whatever, jumping jumping off the couch and doing somersaults while the show's on. Um, to him, just sitting down and watching the show is boring. Now he puts himself into whatever he's doing. <laughs> My little dude's next, as creative as daddy. There's your next co-writer. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll workshop stuff. It's fun to be like, all right, Andrew, here's 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 a <laughs> throw scenario. this on the whiteboard. 
exactly. <laughs> oh, why not? Comics have become a, a legacy business. You, you have oh, sure. Matt yeah. Wagner and his son, Sean yeah. Phillips. And, the Ramitas. Yeah. Yep. The Kuberts. I mean, yeah. there's lots of Oh, God. Uh, I have another couple of questions. Um, oh, please. I don't think we covered uh, Last God sufficiently. No, agreed. And, and by the way, uh, for a show that's been at this for 13 years, we didn't quite time this right because we were recording the night before the 12th and final well, issue see, comes but out. That's, and that, that's on me because I was I was so adamant to um, I, I I was I was so excited to finding out that um, Philip was going to be writing Superman that I wanted to at least get a feel oh, sure, yeah. for the Superman yeah. stuff. So that had to wait for the first Future State issue, and then I completely. I completely blanked on when the last guy number 12 was coming out. So had I known had I had the foresight to, to, to think that, okay, we should really wait until after the 26th. Um, but I also didn't know how far in advance. I, I, I didn't want too many months of solicits to come out. Cause we, we haven't even touched on alien yet, which we're going to get to, but, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Jason. We, I, that should have been probably considered that we could have at least read last guy number 12 and, and had more questions. Um, like when's more coming, but but I didn't want to cut things off. Well, no, that was exactly my question. You hinted at the fact that you have it. You know, you could throw down with two more stories. Uh, are those future Last God uh, installments contingent on you blowing up on Superman in action, which you're probably going to do, right? Oh, so, would that I mean, grease the wheels for more Last God? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I yeah, I'd say so. I think if it if Superman and Alien do super well, I mean, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna want to use me on other stuff, and I would love to do. And Ricardo is, I mean, that dude is almost too good for comics. I mean, his his art is insane. Mm-hmm. So I mean, nobody nobody's gonna say no to more Ricardo of anything. He could draw friggin' Paw Patrol, and people would eat it up. Um, so. Yeah, man, I would love to come back to this, and I think Ricardo would too. He's, I know he's working on a big thing right now that's going to tie him up for at least a year, I would say. And um, I'm kind of busy for a bit too, but I would love to come back to it, and I think he would too. So, I, yeah, my smart money says we'll do more. Awesome. Um, and, and actually, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say. So we talked about the music that's in all of the, uh, all these books, and um, the the series ends with a song, and. Um, there's a there's a big hint at the end of that that could be that that last song is kind of a foreshadowing thing for what could be another arc coming you know oh, coming out soon. Amazing. Um, DC has been working very closely with Todd McFarlane on, yeah, on yeah. the action figures. You know, I'm just throwing this out there. Uh, what are the possibilities of actually seeing Last God action figures from Todd <laughs> McFarlane? God, that would be the coolest. Can you imagine a giant uh, gray? And the fellowship, and that uh, just it, it would my mind just it, it boggles because I'm a, I mean I'm a huge huge toy collector since I've been you know a tiny little person, and uh, just the thought of of having these characters on my shelf would be amazing. God, I mean, agreed. Obviously, I mean, obviously, I'm biased as hell. I mean, I would love to see that. Yeah. I, I think there's a good chance of that. I mean, there's I feel like there's been enough uh, reaction to the to the uh, you know, Clark Kent, Warlord of Mars, Superman that we've seen now. I feel like that one's going to probably get made into a statue at some point. Um, and it would be cool for the if the Blast God stuff came after that. 
Nice. Yeah, we'll see. I'll I'll uh, I'll definitely put a put a bug in some ears at work and see see what they say. So cool. Yeah. I'll call Todd. I'll get it done. Yeah, man. Yeah. Get him on the horn. That'd be great. Just ring him up, dude. I can do that. So, so I was pleasantly surprised to see um, to see the back cover of of last month's Marvel's previews and seen a big old xenomorph and then your name down at the bottom. How did that come about? Oh man, I'm I'm almost embarrassed how that came together. So. I saw the announcement with everyone else where we, we got the David Finch covers and uh, like the, the image of the predator holding Tony Stark's head, you, you assume is in there and the alien or sorry, the alien I had that, I guess had that thing. I, no, I can't remember. Anyway. So yeah, there's separate pictures of these, of the alien predator. We found out Marvel's got the licenses and I flipped out. I, I just finished writing Marvel zombies resurrection when I saw that. And, um, God, I was so excited, and I I reached out to my Marvel Zombies editor, Jordan White. He's he's the ex he's the guy in charge of the X books now, and I was like, dude, you got to give me this book. Like I, I mean, I assumed they already had a, a team put together because I mean, by the time they announced it, obviously somebody they'd already known for a bit because they already had this art made, and um, I assumed we were going to have another announcement there soon with who was going to be doing the books. But I mean, I was but I also thought thought they would probably do. Like they did with Conan, where they released the main Conan book and then the spinoff stuff after. I was like, maybe I'm going to reach out because I got to do. They, I mean, I'm the biggest Alien fan you ever heard of, and I, uh, I just wanted Jordan to know that. I was like, dude, I'm, I know I, you could ask me anything about this series right now. Like I've been, I've been training my whole life for this race. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, I think that would be a really great fit. And so he passed my name along, and it turned out that somebody else in the office had already kind of been pitching for me to get to get that book, which I didn't know. Um, so then it came together, and I got the call from the editor on Alien. like, hey, would you want to do this? I'm like, God, I'm going to crush the shit out of this. I was so excited. Um, and I, it kind of sounded like there, there might have been a bake-off. I wasn't sure if I was competing against another writer. Like, I, I don't think – it wasn't like a lock that I was going to be doing it at that point. Then I gave them these pitches that they really dug, and they understood, okay, yeah, this dude knows this stuff. <laughs> Be honest. You, they put you and Charles Soule in the octagon, and you whooped his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Armbar, over. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else wanted it, but I wanted it more, man. I I love those books, and um, and I love the, the movies especially. Those movies are just part of my DNA. Are you um, – is this – are you going to be able to do your own thing, or are you going to be working with – the established stories from Prometheus or even post Ripley. I don't how, I mean, I know dark horse got to have some fun with, with, you know, Stoko had his story. Uh, Gabriel yeah, and, and I like had their story. Um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to write anything that was going to get redconned. I kind of, I wanted to write something that would, that would belong with the films forever. Um, so my first step, like the first arc that we're doing is pretty is it, it takes place in the same roughly the ta- same time frame as the second film the james cameron film um that's and it does there is a familiar character in there paul um, riser <laughs> naturally it's paul riser <laughs> mad about you reunions in that in that uh, in that book um it was uh yeah, I didn't want to take any big swings right away as far as just big departures from what's in the films. Because the Dark Horse books get really far from that. 
they they start getting into like there's all this mythology that they added in Dark Horse books that were that are, will always now be trapped in those books because it kind of doesn't jive with with the, the films anymore. So I kind of ignored all the Dark Horse books, although there are some Dark Horse books I really admire, especially Salvation, the one with Dave Gibbons and Mike Mignola. That book is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stoko one is really cool too. There's a, there's a lot that are cool, but there's also a lot that I thought were in, incredibly creative, but also set themselves apart from the film canon that I, and I didn't want to make that mistake. Um, so I started, I'm starting out as if I, I think the films were really awesome at taking the next logical step from the previous step. So like in the first one, we see the xenomorph and the facehugger and the, the overmorph and like this, just this disgusting life cycle. It makes you just want to kind of shudder. And, and Giger's designs are so incredibly scary. I mean, it's the perfect representation of fear on screen. And then the next movie, they ramp it up a step. Now you're in the nest, and you've got the queen, and you've got the space space marines kicking ass. And then in the next one, you've got one, you've got a xenomorph that comes from not a human, but like a dog or an ox, depending on which version of the movie you saw. Um, and then Resurrection kind of sucked, <laughs> and uh, in my opinion, it was an, another one that I think t- takes a too big a step and feels kitschy compared to the rest it didn't feel like it belongs in the same canon as the other one in my opinion just in my head canon resurrection doesn't make sense um and then prometheus and covenant also tie in with the, the originals which i know those movies have been much maligned but i like them and even oh, if i, I love didn't, them even if i didn't like them they they tie in nice they they uh they set up the first movie while also kind of st- taking the next logical step in horror from those other ones where you're seeing different varieties of xenomorph kind of come to light um, so basically I wanted to take those first two films and take the next logical step after the second one. Like, what do you, what kind of xenomorph do you want to see next? What's, what's next? So we introduce a new kind of xenomorph in this that makes sense in the context of those films. You see a character that makes sense in the context of that. You see the whale yutani and the androids and all those other little subplots in the, in the films that kind of make up the through line of the film franchise. You see those in this series as well. And I do have, I do want to start stepping further and further away and getting more ballsy. But I'm also I want to do that in coordination with 20th Century, so that it always belongs with the films and TV and stuff that whatever comes next. I want this, I want these books to belong on the shelf with those and always be a part of the story. Is is there? I, I know when Marvel had originally had the Star Wars license, Lucas was was kind of hands on and he had the sign. Is 20th Century Fox and is is there a lot of? Uh, are you aware of any major oversight? or hoops you'll have to jump through to make sure things get signed off on. Yeah. They look, they look through stuff and just make sure that we're all on the same page, which I appreciate. Honestly, I want that. I'm not, I'm not, they're not bossing me around. They're just basically looking to make sure that we're not contradicting each other. Right. Um, which I think is great. Cause I, again, for, cause I do want it to all be part of the same story. Sure. I understand that realistically. Okay. I, um, I'm doing some world building stuff in the alien, not again, not huge, huge swings in the first little arc. But in the next ones, the swings get bigger, and I want to make sure that they're along for the ride that whole time and that they um, – I don't know. I don't want to make up a government organization and then have that be contradicted and suddenly nothing makes sense. And uh, you know, if they, do the, if they do a show in the second season that completely changes all that, I know they're not going to be holding to the comics. I, I don't expect some famous screenwriter to be like, oh, well, i got to do what the Marvel comics says, but – that's what I want. I'm gonna I want to strive for that as much as possible, where we're all on the same page. So the more involved they can be 
and at, so we're at least seeing each other's notes. That's that's why I, that's how I want it to be. Okay. Any chance of maybe uh, merging those two franchises and giving us another Aliens and Superman team up? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say no. Yeah. <laughs> Highly See, unlikely, given the current owners of the IP, though. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, well, really, you know, I mean, we can I have a Marvel and DC again. I mean, you know, everyone everyone likes making money. I um, I creatively, I do think about that. I'm like, what would they do? Because I mean, Superman can't kill, so, and that's all they do. So, what do you what do you do? <laughs> I don't. Know, it would be a, it would be a fun problem to have in a book. I'd like to. I would like to see that uh, that mashup again. Well, it took like four months of having Conan back before he became an Avenger. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure that there will be Xenomorphs fighting Hickman's X-Men, you know, by the end of 2021. In some <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'll, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, the X-Men already have Xenomorphs. It's the brood. No, I know, but that doesn't, that mean, that's not going to stop them. The Marvel have, have had Conan analogs, right? But All right, Well, now that they have uh, the Aliens franchise, they could say that the Brood were a splinter organism from the the, the xenomorphs right. that would that would be fun yeah dude i mean it would be fun to think about that because i mean do they just pretend that the brood are never a thing i mean they could just retcon the brood and just pretend they were never a thing i guess but i, I hope they don't do that it would be more interesting to see to have some kind of an explanation where yeah they're like a you know yeah something like you're saying where they're they're in some way connected or Donnie Cates could mandate that or another creation of Null. Date. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there um, are there any characters you'd like to to tackle for for a good run? For, or, I assume any... Constantine's got to be at the top of the list, right? Oh, seriously, he, he is the tippy top of my list. Yeah, yeah, I love Constantine. I've I've read so much of his stuff. I love that character. I love the stuff that that Cy Spurrier was doing with him. I think Cy did a kick-ass job. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to see that book go, but he crushed it. So I'd love to do, do. I mean, if I did more, it would be kind of long. Well, I don't know. I've got other. I've got other runs that I really love too. Andy Diggle actually. I, I, I think a lot of Andy Diggle's run on that book. But uh, but yeah, Cy's book was as good as any. Honestly, he he crushed it. Um, I also have a murder mystery Batman story I really want to do. Kind of like my my take on Long Halloween, sort of. I mean, it's not it's not like that story, but that that kind of story is what I want to do. I I um you don't see enough of Batman as the as the world's greatest detective. You know, I want to see that detect. I want to see him flex those chops. So yeah, Batman and, and Constantine for for DC and Marvel. Um, I mean, everyone loves Wolverine, but I love him too, and I I really love Old Man Logan. And I, um, if I if I could do anything, I would tell an old man Logan story in the world he came from. Um, I know that that's all kind of more complicated right now, but I would love to see a cont- uh, continuation of the Mark Miller story without all the other shit that came after that. Um, so, yeah, I love Old Man Logan. Um, that's another great one. Everyone loves to do. Everyone loves to write Moon Knight, and Moon, Moon Knight traditionally does not sell super well. Uh huh. Um, even I mean Bendis did a great moon. Him and Malieve did a great Moon Knight run that I like a lot. Uh, Jeff Lemire did a great one too. Warren Ellis. Um, moon Knight would be really fun. Uh, Doctor Strange would be super cool. Yeah, there's a lot, man. I could just keep I could just keep rattling off names. There's a lot of great nice. characters in both places. Doctor Strange would be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's interesting to hear you say Old Man Logan because like I'm I'm seeing these kernels of of, of interest kind of spark through the stuff you've already written and stuff you've talked about. I mean. Uh, then you mentioned Doctor Strange and Constantine, so it seems like you've definitely got like a an itch to scratch on the on the occult 
magic side of things. It seems like definitely some of your stuff you've already done is is steeped in the um, you know post apocalyptic setting, which is a favorite of mine, which I love to see. Um, so that seems to be a theme for you. And and also we didn't really talk about it yet, but um, I, I know you definitely are drawn to stories about father son relationships, and I know you have plans for for pulling that into the Superman mythos, which I think is another thing that uh, that that makes sense and is rich. But but when I think of post apocalyptic and I think of, of, of father-son stories, like, it brings me to, 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 to Cormac McCarthy and The Road. So I'm just curious if you're a fan of McCarthy and, 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 and if The Road is a, a book that you're familiar with or if it's a, a source of inspiration. I love that book, and McCarthy is one of my, is like, on my very shortest list of favorite authors, yeah. All right, good man, good man. Excellent. Love that book. Love favorite that. book? Favorite book of his? Do you have one? or? Um, either The Road or Blood Meridian. Those are my two. That's my man. Excellent. Hey. There you go. Right on. Correct yeah. answer. Look at you, Philip. Correct <laughs> answer. <laughs> yes. uh, nice. That's great. Um, the um, I noticed that um, Phil is is drawing both the Superman and action. Are they? Do you need to for, for list? I mean, most of our listeners will, but but are you going to again going back to the the idea of, of the Triangle Era? Are you going? Uh, do you need to read one to read the other? Are they going? To, are, are you going to have the stories continue? Are you treating them as as if it's one long story, or are they going to be each individual series? Uh, only the first two issues. Um, that I can't remember why that happened, but I when they said, "Yeah, we're going to bring in somebody in to do the, we're going to tie the two series together," I was like, "Can we not do that?" Because <laughs> I remember <laughs> when I was when we were uh, when I was a kid reading. Like the uh, the Nightfall series, and you had to buy every goddamn comic. Yeah, like that sucked. And it, the thing that was so annoying about it is that it was constantly going back and forth between different artists, and it was kind of pulling me out of it. I mean, they were all fine, but you know, I just I wanted to see the story continue in the style that it began. Um, they're like, no, no, just the first two issues. I'm like, oh, okay, we can do that. So I am, um, and Phil Hester was coming on to do it. I'm not going to say no to that. I mean, Phil's this artist, artist. And uh, and as it turns out, we are actually distantly related, which we discovered as we started this book. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He let's see. I can't remember if it's through marriage or if it's his own. I think it's through his wife's. Anyway, yeah, it's my my mom's family, and I think his I think his wife's family um, are are the same same. Like, there's a picture of my grandmother, my grandma, or grandmother's. Um, wedding and his great aunt is at is in the photo wow uh which is a weird um weird coincidence but anyway yeah he lives in a town in iowa this tiny ass little town in iowa that, that i used to visit as a small child um that took us like an hour and a half to get to and it was like really really small town um so when i discovered that and that his his wife's maiden name was this very common name in which that was also i had ties to we kind of looked into it <clears throat> But anyway, I digress. So he's a great artist, and he has this really interesting classic kind of style. Well, not classic style, but um, very stylized actually. But doesn't do a lot of cross hatching. It's very like very clean, clean, yeah. elegant lines. Yeah. Um, like a more like a prettier, more elegant version of Mignola, kind of with a lot of like um, unified dark shadows the way Mignola does, but not so primitive looking and just really beautiful. He worked on the animated series and Superman the animated series briefly at the end of the at the end of the show and you can kind of see that in his portrayal of Superman I mean his he kind of draws him like a like a 57 Chevy you know like he's he's 
has a lot of mass, but very streamlined, um, you know, along the along the edges, and um, it's a very simple, clean, but big and bulky look. Um, that is just, you can just immediately tell it's Phil Hester's work. Um, anyway, so yeah, those first two issues. Sorry, this is I'm totally not answering your question. The first two issues tie directly together, so it's Superman 29 into Action 1029. And it's a two-issue arc that I wrote specifically for Phil to draw called The Golden Age. I wrote it with, with Phil in mind, um, kind of played to his strength. And, um, yeah, and that's those are the only two issues that really tie together. After that, it becomes two different – it kind of sets up both series. So after that, Superman is its own series and Action is its own series. Okay. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be on both of them forever. Like I was – I'm not going to be doing both of them for a long, long time like Bendis did. I'm going to be um, – doing both of them for a little while and then I'm kind of building up to a big ass Superman event that's going to be happening in one of the series and not the other. Oh. So at that point I'm going to be writing just one Superman series and uh, while someone else takes the reins on the other one. Your son. So okay, so <laughs> yeah. Uh All right, no, so that's but um, I'm glad you didn't say, you know, you're just going to like hit it and quit it. So so you definitely obviously you have things planned out. Now were they were those things um i'm I'm curious as far as the whole process of it all when um i'm going to guess that bendis's end on the franchise ended sooner than he expected so then of course you have future state coming and then we're continuing the book with a new team how did you find out you were going to be working on superman um, I was involved in the. Do you guys know much about the five G thing that was being planned? Yeah. Okay, so I was part of that. Um, I was going to be very involved in sort of this cosmic line of books that we were planning out, um, and we had big, big ideas, super ambitious things planned for that. And then plans changed. And it was, I mean, from the very beginning, it wasn't like here's our definite plan. This is definitely what we're doing. Here's a three year plan or anything like that. It was all kind of. It was all kind of coming together we we're like here are all the ideas it was just this big idea soup like here's all the things that we could do um and then as it as the um you know there was more debate when it got closer to the actual release day eventually you know the deal was out and that changed everything and um then like we were just kind of reorganizing the idea some of those ideas that came out of those those meetings were so amazing i mean this is such creative stuff coming out of everybody um and we still wanted to use a lot of it but just bring it out in more organic ways not just not just this big nuclear bomb hard restart for everything but just like let's this is a great idea we should do it how do we get there in a way that makes sense it doesn't break the other books um and yeah i mean some of those stories just made sense like they were i think they first looked to me because of the massive world building i was doing on last god honestly like they you know they found this guy who was willing to just pour endless hours into making real worlds that don't exist and that lends itself well to cosmic stuff and also lends itself well to um ideas i had about superman and they got they got the impression from my work that i would be somebody who did understand superman and i am i think i'm somebody who i you know superman is a character i believe in and would be honored beyond honored to do and so we talked about what i would do if i had the chance and they dug it so future state kind of was, was trial sort of my trial run and after we got started with that they're like hey do you want to do both titles and i was like yeah dude i mean what do you say to that i mean yeah I'll, yes please 
Um, so then I had to think about, you know, bigger, longer term things. So some of the stuff that we had planned for the cosmic stuff is going to come to fruition in Superman. Oh, okay. awesome. awesome. Speaking of 5G and uh, future state, it, it appears to me uh, that the uh, there was some cross-pollination going on because you mentioned in your uh, Worlds of War the uh, events of Superman of Metropolis when Jonathan uh, candorized uh, Metropolis. Yeah. Are we going to see ever uh, the ramifications of that, uh, uh, specifically Dad's reaction to it? Because I'm guessing that <laughs> that all uh, Superman's not going to take that uh, too lightly. Um, so the the magical thing about Future State is that, of course, it, it spins out of the events of Death Metal, in which the multiverse is is blown way out and it's kind of reborn and there's all these worlds like there are infinite worlds now right um and that kind of that kind of gives us this free free reign to kind of do whatever and it's basically they're not continuity is not this big chain link fence anymore like it was um now there's a little bit of flexibility in the future state issues are all kind of snapshots in worlds that could come to pass, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that everything that's, that happened in those books is going to happen exactly. Uh. Like we're not, we're not necessarily going to see the magistrate screw over Gotham um, in the main titles going forward. We may. I mean, it's super possible, but um, or we could see a different version of that. Like, and some some of these future state books that you're seeing are kind of cautionary tales that our, our heroes have to find a way to avoid. Right. Um, that is how I took the bottling of Metropolis. I don't know for sure that's going to happen. Like this is, uh, these, I mean, yes, this, uh, worlds of war in which worlds of war takes place 10 years down the road from current continuity. And it, it does happen in the same world in which Jonathan has bottled Metropolis, which was in my view, not a great move. My man, thank <laughs> yeah. you very much for saying yeah. that. Yeah. Um, on his part, I'm not, I'm not saying the writers fucked up. I'm saying that Jonathan did. Like it's not something oh, yeah. that, that, you, that he would want to do, um, and that Dad wouldn't like it for sure. <laughs> um, so I don't think we're necessarily going to see that in the, in the main book. Either it's going to be something that has to be avoided in some way, or you know, I I can't speak for every writer across the entire line. I didn't I didn't want to tell a story that did not count. There's a lot of stuff in in this book that does tie into others. If you if you read Kara Zor-El, Superwoman by Marguerite Bennett, um, she is she establishes the fortress of um, sanctuary on the moon, and that same fortress in is in House of L, uh, my other book that you see that you're going to see in February. It's another Superman title in Future State. And Sanctuary is the name of the city that's on the moon that's grown out of the Fortress of Solitude. By then, there's it's it's uh, you know there's a lot of people living there. So you'll see that there's um, there's a race like um, among Superman's descendants in House of L. There's a race of aliens that we will introduce in my action run. Um, let's see what else. There's other t- yeah. There's, I just try to tie them all into each other. I, we you know the, the writers talk to each other and tried to. Um, Make sure that we were all writing in the same world, you know, so that if you – it doesn't punish anyone for not reading everything. But if you do read a lot of other stuff, then you're kind of rewarded for it. Right. I like the fact that these could be uh, current or future uh, plot threads, but not yeah. necessarily. It, 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 the thing that really got me with Future State was the fact that it was two months, uh, not a gigantic amount of books, 
this self-contained little thing that DC was doing, and I'm a sucker for stuff like that. If I don't have to buy 150 books to get, uh, you know, this this story that you're trying to tell, then even more the better, right? Uh, so Future State won me over, but to buying to the point where I'm buying more DC now than I have in at least at least a, for these two months, at least a decade. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I agree. I mean, if if something in this series hits really big and turns into a new. Like you know, like Marvel's twenty ninety nine or something. If, if something, um, I mean, I doubt I didn't expect it to turn into this big like ultimate line where everything is like there's this whole alternate universe. I didn't really expect that to happen. But but if there's one or two books, like if the if the if the next Batman thing really hits and people just really love that character, it could be kind of this Batman Beyond situation where suddenly we have this new character a generation from now that we do see as its own future book. You know, right, or right. or I mean, fingers crossed if House of L it's really big that takes place about a thousand years in the future and i would love to do more of that story if people respond to that so yeah that's kind of an opportunity to try a bunch of things and if any if, uh, if any like you say you don't have to buy 100 whatever issues it's not like the new it's not like this is dc now but it's an event that you know a ton of creativity went into you get a you get a kind of bite-sized version of these amazing stories and if any of them are just if fans just demand more of any one thing you know we can always do more of that thing and uh, keep exploring it. Smart approach. Yeah, I'm yeah. proud to be a part of it. Yep. Anything else, Dap? Um, I think I I checked off everything that I really, really, really um, needed to know. Aside from um, a, comics, aside and and uh, I know what I see. On, on the news, or I can come across the social media. How are things in DC? Um, I mean, right now it's fine. Um, got pretty nuts there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean the capital. I mean I, you know, I've worked there. I, I've I've played there, and it's um pretty pretty rough. I um I I did. I mean I'm I'm part of um. You know, I'm in the military, and I'm I'm subject to the uh, Universal Code of Military Justice, and that dictates that I can't express political views like super openly. Yep. Um, so I can't go on a rant about any particular elected official, but um, you know, I can write fictional comic books, <laughs> so that's what I do. I can kind of put a lot of my uh, views and thoughts into my stories. I mean, Warlords of Appalachia is a very very clear version of my opinions um if you're so inclined but um yeah it got pretty pretty rough up here it's it's uh, saddens me to see what happened at the capitol and uh angers me and um we'll see what happens next that's all we really can do right yeah nice nice going depth Nice guy. Hey man, I had to bring <laughs> it down. You know, it's like Casey we, we, Kasem. We were, we, we were too. We were too happy. Everything was going right. No, I um listen. I you know we'll, we'll have you back next week after we all read number twelve. But no, it's um <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I will say that it's I very okay. Future State, Worlds of War one and two are my mission statement on Superman, and um, I like to think there's a lot of hope in it. I'm very proud of that next issue that's coming out next month too. Um, the first issue is kind of like humankind's view on Superman, like who we are, who he is to us. And um, issue two 
gets into who we are to him. And uh, it's told more from his perspective. And um, I'm super proud of it. And I, I'm very grateful that it's going to be read in the context of people being more hopeful generally, I think. Yeah. And um, I'm glad it's being read in this context. So I'm exci- excited to to uh, hear the reaction. For, for what it's worth, I, I and I do think we've a lot of us have been steeped in a very ne- negative headspace for a while. Um, but I do think that um, it, these things are cyclical, and I, I I do genuinely believe that our we can heal from that. Like our 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 it's not we don't have black lung disease, you know. Our our lungs are are a little fucked up from a few years of college smoking, but they can get clear, and we can we can start to to be happy and hopeful as a as a society community country again i really do think that so yeah i agreed i think we have a long way to go i think there's a lot we need to do as far as um the the media stuff is rough like i the fact that, that nobody trusts anything anymore except for what they want to believe and yeah. like, like people don't like people see fact checking as a form of um form of suppression or whatever i don't know it's just um i don't know it's kind of kind of screwed up so hopefully that comes around but um if we can address that i feel like if if people can at least get facts again and trust them that will be just by far the biggest step in the right direction that we can take for sure yeah so so before we sign off i have two non-comic things to ask you i would be remiss not to ask you before we sign off uh first one it's another test that you've passed all the tests so far philip so (laughs) you get but uh kentucky or louisville (laughs) man don't do that I um, I mean, I grew up in a Kentucky household. I know that's why I'm asking. Oh, yeah. you mean a U- University of Kentucky? A, oh. a UK household, but I, you know, that's not. Well, I look. I understand that since you even asked that question, obviously you're a Louisville guy. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like Louisville people hate UK more than UK likes Louisville, in my opinion. That's, that's true. Well, it's, it's because we're jealous. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know. Or like the, the Patino thing, you know, that's uh, that muddied the water. So now who's now who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? It's hard to facts. say. Facts. Yeah, facts. <laughs> Okay, um, all right, fair yeah, enough. I, that's that's cool. Yeah. I can I can live with that. You because yeah, for those that don't know what we're talking about, uh, Philip was born in Kentucky, so you're or you're from Kentucky. So yeah, I went I went to high school and undergrad in Kentucky. There you yeah. go. Okay. I, I, but also I was in uh, I went to undergrad at EKU Eastern, which is Got it. Uh, just down the road from UK. So when like when UK won the championship, I went and I went and rolled in Lexington with my friends and all that. So we were just really close to to you know Blue Mecca down there. Sure, but uh, to to uh, clear the air between us. If you uh, <laughs> if you read Warlords of Appalachia, um, there's a, a a kind of person in that in that uh, book called the Blue Boys that are it's a um, it's a, a not a race of people but a, a class of people who have who have abused this drug called Sweet Rock, and it uh, it's kind of like it has this this meth effect but more a more sci-fi version of that where they become almost, it almost dehumanizes them. Okay. And the name blue boy. Yes. In, in part refers to the blue people of the, of the mountains that, okay. That happened like that. This, these people that were, that were, that had literally blue skin that lived in the mountains, but it's also a kind of a slam on UK fans. <laughs> okay. Respect. All right. We're back in it. Nice. You're back in the, in, in the circle <laughs> of trust. <laughs> and then and then the other thing is, is since you are clearly uh, into MMA uh, in some capacity, did you watch the the McGregor uh, fight, and and what did you think? Were you surprised? I did, you I did not watch it only because I was I was fighting a deadline that I just I could not justify taking the time away from the I was just chained to the computer, so I didn't watch it. I will watch it sometime. I I am anxious to see it. And I'm I mean my boy won. I was 
mean, um, McGregor is unquestionably a great fighter. I think he is he's been hyped beyond his actual ability. Sure. Not not to say that his ability is not exceptional because it is. He just has this amazing surgeon like quality to his strikes where he can just he can just punch right through somebody's guard and just knock somebody out. I mean when they're when they're trying to, when their hands are all up and everything. He's just a, he's amazing with knowing where somebody's head is gonna be. Um and his yeah, he's just a great striker, a lot has a lot of great qualities, but his hype train is really what sets him apart. And um as much as I love Ireland, uh I don't love what a loudmouth douchebag he is when he's <laughs> not in the cage. Um and I love Dustin Poirier, like head to toe. Like I, I love him as a fighter. He seemed like it was a classier dude in general. Um so I was happy to see Dustin pull that one out. Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm looking, for, looking forward to actually watching the fight though. Yeah, no, I'm with you on everything you said about McGregor. Like, great, great fighter, obviously. Star, charisma, right? Like, because that's ultimately, like, he, break, he broke through to the mainstream, which is always kind of the measure. Same thing like Ronda Rousey did and all that. Not, you know, probably right. overhyped his result. But, yeah, he just doesn't – I want to be careful because I don't profess to know him personally. But what we do know of him, it's – I think it's not – you don't have to be a forensic detective to determine that he's probably not a very good dude in like his real life and the choices he makes and how he treats women and stuff. So I'm with you. I, I, yeah. I didn't mind seeing him get his ass whooped. So, yeah, I love how, I love how proud he is of his, of his country. I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, is that's pretty much, that's the one that and his striking are his two virtues that I can see. Sure. Sure. Right on. Uh, and, and if you're wondering there, the other two uh, D- Dap and Vince are absolutely numb right now. Cause anytime I try and bring up a sport, a sporting, a sporting <laughs> issue, they go radio. Yeah. Silence, bring so. in the non-comics knowledge. <laughs> huh, Jason? Right? That's what, that's what the listeners are here for. Yep. The, uh, I mean, I, I yes, I have heard of, of Conor McGregor. I'm not, not a complete noob, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I'm when it comes to the, the whole sports entertainment thing, I mean, I've, I, I grew up a, a wrestling fan. I never, I, I never really got into MMA. Um, probably because when I, the few times I did try to watch it, it was Severn versus Shamrock, and that first match was. I, I felt. I mean, neither one of them was doing much. It was just kind of slow, and and not much was happening, and boring. So um, that may not have been the one to kind of try to start with, but. I, I also just have this. I, I guess I'm not a fan of of watching dudes pummel e- e- each other into, which is weird being a comic book fan. But yeah, there's just something about real life um, seeing guys going at it. Like I understand the sport of it, but it's just it, it it's never really been something that I can sit down and and take pleasure in watching. Right on. Well, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that, and I, I mean, I know, I see your post, and I'm, I, I and and you're obviously not alone. Um, but yeah, no, there, 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 there's no judgment in that regard. I don't totally, uh, totally respect that. I am. Uh, it's not for everyone. Nice. That's why I'm here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it, Chase. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> well, Philip, we got to thank you for for being here with us. It was extremely oh, enlightening. Hopefully, Thanks. not the last time either. Dude, I'd love to come back. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for the time and and for the opportunity. And hope you like the books, man. Hope you hope you continue to dig the books coming out. And we'll uh, we'll talk again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. Hope Absolutely. so. Congrats all right. on all the success from the hard work so far. By the way, thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great night. You too. And the dust has settled on yet another wonderful talk. Um, I'm a little bit scared uh, for Last God Number Twelve. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh. Because if you notice in the book, of course you've noticed, but there's uh, there are parallels in history. Uh, there's the original quest up the Black Stair to destroy Mal Ultep, and then 30 years later, there's a very similar group of characters that attempt to destroy um, Mal Ultep for for all time. There's there's an Ursulan in the original group. Uh, that don't end well. There's <laughs> there's an Ursulan in the new group. Who knows, right? Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he does have my attention, this man. And um, this is one of the books that uh, I, I have very stringent rules for myself. If I enjoyed the singles, I won't double dip. Uh, more often than not, I won't double dip. This, I need to double dip. When they do I, the hardcover, I got to have it. I think, and 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 from what I understand, there will be, I think, in, in, in August or something. But... Um, I I kind of feel like it 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 really is something that deserves a the one volume treatment the one it, all nice and packed between two covers. I mean I love I love the fact that we were able to experience it as it was coming out in the single issue. Um and it's it's weird I I probably will end up double dipping as well. I didn't want to tell him because God bless him. He's so enthusiastic, but Last God is a book that reads better in chunks. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, having just read issues 2 through 11 this week, I concur with that. Yeah. Yep. And I also, for once, am not going to have to double dip because I didn't buy the issues. So I can buy the hard... I, I hope we get, like, a whole single hardcover, right? Like, I think we are. Okay. Yeah. With the back matter intact. That I wish we could have an option. Like not see nine ninety nine with the you back know, matter. Uh, as a person, bucks without the back matter. As a person that does not take other people's opinions personally, I don't give a shit what you like, what you don't like. <laughs> I cannot fathom that the back matter, something that greatly enhances the world, wouldn't be something you'd want to. Didn't story. read a single word of it. Good yeah, and and, and you need to, and and I think it's 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 something that um only enhances it it's not like it doesn't drag it out it doesn't it, it it doesn't make for heavy lifting it actually it does enhance what 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 you just witnessed um sequentially but according to amazon um in early august the last god hardcover collects last god 1 through 12 last god tales from the book of ages and the last god songs of lost children this so everything book? to date yeah, the first book and the two one shots. Wait, um, no source book though. That is, that's the um, that's oh, the book okay. of ages. Got, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, and the uh, how much yeah, is it so, by the way? Uh, it looks like it's going to retail for forty nine ninety nine. So DCBS should have it for twenty five bucks, which is no fucking brainer. Four hundred and forty eight pages. Um, oh, it definitely has the back matter. Yeah, because twelve times the source book was the same was a regular sized issue. So yeah. Um, well, regular for Last God, yeah. No, yeah, I yeah. love it. Each issue was was twenty eight pages of story, so yeah. Yeah, so compelling to me. I just love the world. Um, Federici's art, man. I I don't know what he charges, but there's a couple of pages in there, and he is not definitely not in my wheelhouse. He's very realistic. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just find his work mesmerizing. It's interesting being, being you know, a fan of so many different types of art. I agree with what you just said about him being very, very realistic. And I have to say, like, for me, and I realize mileage may vary, I, I adored everything about the way he illustrated the book except for, like, the, like the people. Like, like I, I don't like I, I, I loved his creatures. I, I loved the detail of the sets and the world, but I, I, I don't love that kind of 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 figure work. I don't generally like it. So, because it's so realistic, to your point, like I think it's just, I don't know. Dap, do we have the the domain for bullpen bulletins? <laughs> <laughs> I'm disagreeing with you. You just said he's realistic. Yeah, he is realistic, but not. I didn't mean it in detrimental to the to the book. Like uh, I, what I meant was, even I, who likes more uh, exploration, more expression, uh, could find something to just gobble up in Federici's work. Yeah, the creatures are great, but I, I think his like, I, you know, again, I didn't want to seem like a freak. When, when he got into the whole trans aspect of, of uh, uh, Vico Almon, but I'm just like, yeah, that's my shit. She was hot. <laughs> I would, I, I, I'd be so down with that. Wouldn't even be funny. Yeah, but whatever. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. So here we are at the end of an interview. What are we going to do? Well, uh, remember, if there's one place to go where – you want to get your books super inexpensively. You know the drill by now. Discount comic book service. DCBserver.com. That's DCBservice.com. Write these down. Absolutely last time you're going to hear them. Right? I don't want to... Yes, because uh, Thursday's episode will be a patron episode because it's book of the month. So, Aftershock. Bequest number one. My man. Freddie Williams II. Written by Tim Seeley, four ninety nine cover price. You has it for two dollars and forty nine cents. Ultra Mega. Do I really have to sell this? Ultra Mega by James Heron. It's it's going to be like people are going to walk out with this in droves. Seven ninety nine cover price. Your price three ninety nine. That's fifty percent off. And Dap Cosines from Seven Seas. The suit and Jason ordered this too. I'm guessing right. Um, you, I you with the what seven go ranger? The, oh the, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Cool, Super Sentai Himitsu Sentai Goranger Classic Collection Hardcover Shotaro Ishinomori. Bam, seventeen dollars and forty nine cents. Respect. You caught me looking up Ricardo Federici art, so it's nice. Cool. Shit. What's what am I looking at? What's the bracket? Well, I don't see any of his pages for sale. Um, just his commission work. So. Did you know that he was my breakout dude for last year's Oscars? Was he really? Yeah. Look, last God. Oh, oh, really? So you did you did breakout two years in a row for the same book, same creative team? No, I didn't. If I I did wasn't, have wasn't Kennedy Johnson your breakout? He was, yeah. but I changed it. Oh right, yeah, you changed it to that woman. Yep. Oh, that's right. My bad. Because it wasn't really fair to say Philip Kennedy Johnson is a breakout star when he's writing friggin' Superman. Right? I mean, Daniel Warren Johnson got like 20% of the votes. <laughs> I just, yeah, I know. I, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm glad you, I'm glad you did change your Vince. Only so I didn't bust your balls, but I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have docked you on this one. But I, I no, I, I, I could see. It. I definitely see your point. Last year, I should have. Uh, well, it was a toss up. What was the initial uh, hook in my cheek for Last God because of the art, or was it because of the story? I guess it was a toss-up, right? Because it was new. We maybe got mm-hmm. two issues uh, by the time of the 11 o'clock Christmas 2019. This year, I wanted to, you know, make sure that everybody knew that I just love the book. But I don't really think it fits into the breakout category at sure. this at this point. Um, so uh, a 9 by 12 painted one-character bust will set you back 1700 Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Hey, my man deserves it. If you want a full figure painted, it'll be thirty-four hundred. Son of a bitch! Yeah, good for him. Oh, did you know my? Is that dollars or is it? <laughs> no, it's dollars. Yeah. It's oh dollars. shit! Mia's doing commissions. She just got her first one. Oh my god! I'm I'm in. What can? I, how do I get on the nah, list? We'll see. We'll see what happens. She what, let what do you mean let that? her what? let her get these first couple uh, commissions under her belt. Uh, the thing is, they're digital. She doesn't I was just work. Say she's still doing digital. Yeah, she doesn't do she doesn't do paper. But okay. I'm printing them on on canvas, archival canvas. Well, that's those, cool. Ooh, yeah, awesome. for those who desire. So, uh, but whatever. Yeah. So I'll we'll touch base later. Um, I will say not to go on a tangent, but one thing that is kind of cool. First of all, that you are making a physical because I do think that's how digital artists are trying to find a happy medium. But I. Um, I got a few commissions from uh, an up and coming artist named Othell Flowers recently. Yeah, and I think what he the way he did it was great. So he did two traditional black and white inked pieces for me of Phantom X and Domino, but everything on his IG is colored, and that's because he does it digitally. So unbeknownst to me, when I got the package, I had the two originals, and then he did high res colorized printouts of both of them, and he threw in two. Uh, like identical, but I, not without the originals of Beast and Taskmaster, like, which he must have done digitally and did the whole thing, and then oh, sent. okay, that but makes like, sense. Yeah, yeah. So like, like he basically gave me four digital colored commissions to go along with the two physical black and white inked commissions that I huh. I, I paid for. It was pretty awesome, man. Well, that, that's what I always say. Um, PDFs don't cost a damn thing to print. Right, the work is done. They're they're a byproduct of the actual digital printing process. Fucking give them away, right? This is what the guy's doing. He's he's giving you physical work, and as a token of goodwill, a couple digital things that he printed off for you. That's great business. It's really really smart. Yeah, yeah it is very smart. Uh, so in your travels, uh, I don't have anything other than to say, get your tukuses to a comic book shop tomorrow, and. No, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. No, tomorrow. No, tomorrow. People are listening DC's, to this Tuesday. DC, DC is Tuesday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Get Go the to a comic book shop on Tuesday and get the last issue. That's number 12 of Last God. If you don't have any of it, well, then get all 12 of them, plus the two one-shots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to bring up WandaVision Episode 3. Since I didn't know. watch it yet. Oh, really? my God. Oh, okay. That's cool. Well, you know, uh, okay. You I, full disclosure. Staff, what you think? Yeah, what? I, I liked it a lot. I have to I say, my, my 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 kid and my wife were, as I mentioned, on the verge of being out after the first two, and the, the third one kept them in. My uh, my wife isn't keen on shows that uh, 
that are weekly these days. She she likes <laughs> to binge. She likes to you know if the, once the seasons are done or then, then we'll go back and watch it. This isn't something we're going to wait and or at least I'm not going to watch and, and wait. But um, she was uh, she's she was feeling some kind of way with the way the third episode ended. I, I mean, she was fine with it. I mean, she, she she's enjoying it. We're both enjoying it. I love the third episode. I thought it was great. Um, but but she was just like she, she she's definitely when it when when the episode is over uh she wants more she's she's got questions she she definitely asks questions she uh every once in a while she'll ask if if that's the way things are in the comics like when um this weekend saturday and sunday we watched uh infinity war and then endgame and you know while we're watching things she'll she'll ask if um you know, if the relationship between Clint and Nat, if that's, you know, the whole Budapest thing is where they, is that from the comics? And I kind of gave her a breakdown of, of Black Widow from the comics and uh, told her, you know, well, no, actually, Clint was married to Bobby, who's mocking, went through the whole thing and, and her eyes glossed over. But the, um, the third episode, really enjoyable. The movies are still great. I, I, I definitely got hit in the feels, choked up a little bit here and there. I, I had the same excitement during some scenes watching the movies again because uh, I hadn't I, I've seen them once since seeing them in the theater so it's been a minute since um, since we watched them but I absolutely uh, adored the episode before Jason mentions talks about the episode in any sort of way uh, I do want to in your travels and to shout out uh, I received my copy of Mysterious Traveler Steve Ditko and the Search for a New Liberal Identity by none other than Mr. Zach Cruz. And um, I flipped through it. I got to the index. There's a couple of pages uh, regarding Gil Kane in here. So I read those paragraphs. Um, and then I read the acknowledgments. And, and I love Zach. And we all do. This isn't news. Uh, but we're mentioned. In the acknowledgments, oh, nice. Which, which is, which, which, you know, it, 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 it brought a tear. But it, it's, it, it's a great presentation. I love, you know, I love Zach. I can definitely hear him uh, as as I'm as I'm reading it. So um, I'm going to definitely find time to to sit down with this. I also have a bunch some that I haven't um, that I've only flipped through as well. But when um, Steve Ditko and, and Robin Snyder would offer um, you know the Ditko comics through Kickstarter, I, I have various copies of of those books. So um, I might just do a whole. Ditko weekend one of these months and, and sit down and uh, read what I have. But thank you, Zach, for uh, they, they, I ordered it from um, the uh, University Press in Mississippi when it was announced, and I know people should be getting it from DCBS soonish. Uh, Zach picked up the book plates and he's been signing those, so those will be included with your um, with those of you who did uh, order from DCBS. So. It it's it's real. It's a thing that exists. If you ordered it, you will be getting it, and um, and I'm 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 happy. I'm glad it exists in this world. So um, in your travels, make sure you get this. And if you make sure you order it, if you haven't, and if you have ordered it, uh, enjoy it when you get it. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. So we have book of the month next week. So uh, then I think about well, something something the week after. So, yeah, In Your Travels, um, a couple weeks ago, I had the great pleasure of reading this when it came out. Uh, it is by IDW Top Shelf. It's called The Book Tour. It's a graphic novel um, written and drawn by Andy Watson. That's with an I-A-N-D-I Watson. 
it uh, it was fantastic. If you're a fan of uh, acerbic dark British humor, you'll love this story. It, it, that's basically what it is. It, it's it's as you might guess from the title, it is a book that that is is built around a absolutely abysmally failure, abysmal failure of a book tour for. Um, a, a modest English writer, uh, his name is G.H. Fretwell, and he's embarking on a book tour for his newest book, and just anything that can go wrong goes wrong. It's very Kafka-esque. Um, goes from bad to worse, but it's done in, a, it's, but it's but it's hilarious, right? Because, I mean, it's because you're, you're, you're laughing at the man's pain, and intentionally so, and uh, it, it's just wonderful. Um, Watson's style is, is, is the, the figure work is very, very simple, um, but he he just lays in the inking and the cross hatching in the background. So you're, I mean, he's putting in a lot of work on each panel. Most of the pages are six panel grid. Um, it's very much a narrative story. It's all about the pacing and the dialogue. And I just, I was, I mean, it's, I was, there were, there were multiple laugh out loud moments for me. Um, and he just, some things that I think he, he did something in this book that I think is really, I don't know if it's hard to do or just people don't think to do it in comics, but he plays with silence and like pregnant pauses, and it just had me guffawing at times. Where where Fretwell would say something, and and it would just be a panel or two of the person that he's speaking to just giving him a blank stare, um, or, or vice versa, and it just 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 hit me right in the right spot. You know, humor is is more subjective, I think, than any other type of storytelling. And and so therefore, I think it's much harder for any comedy work, whether it be a movie or a stand-up comedy routine or, or or a book like this. I I recognize that your mileage may vary because what what I may find is funny, you may not, and vice versa. So I'm not sure this is going to be be it for everyone. But if you're into that Kafka-esque kind of storytelling and you, and you very much appreciate dark British humor. Um, which can be, you know, a bit cruel at times because it's dark and it's at the expense of someone. Um, I found this just fantastically delightful. So um, definitely check it out. And it's only like, I think it's 25 bucks cover price. So probably get it for 15, 16 bucks. But um, yeah, it, it's great. It's great. It came out, I think, at the end of November, if I'm not mistaken. It's been on my list for a while, but um, wanted to definitely get this out there into the ether. So uh, once again, the book tour by Andy Watson, published by IDW Top Shelf. Good old Chris Staros. Nice. Very nice. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us. Once again, uh, we're doing this uh, another time in about three days. We would love to have you, Book of the Month. Um, If you want more of whatever it is you find valuable uh, with our show, please go to Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook, all over there. Uh, and check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Say goodnight. No more wine. Oh, well. David. Good night. Nice. I think you nailed that one. I try. Yeah, that one I think you just hit. You hit right on the damn bullseye.
Nice. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm telling you, it's not gonna end well. It's gonna be a fucking bloodbath. I don't know, for everybody. Alright, people. We love you. Bye. Peace. That's it for that one.